Hey listeners, this is Matt, uh, and this is going to be a replay of our Hottest 100 live uh, episode recorded on Australia Day as we counted down the last two, two and a half hours of the Hottest 100 countdown. Now, we were recording at the uh, Green Beacon Brewery in Brisbane, and we seem to have picked up quite a bit of compressor noise uh, in in the background uh, coming through the microphone, so the sound quality isn't brilliant. Um, So be warned, if you have sensitive ears, you may just want to listen, wait for next uh, episode coming out next week, where we're catching up with the head brewer for James Squire and a couple of other really interesting guests. Um, If you don't mind putting up with a little bit of interference and a little bit of bad sound, we've got a really interesting uh, range of interviews. Um, We managed to do a reasonable job of picking um, who was going to uh, have some interesting results on the day. And during the course of the interview, we speak to Michael Cameron from Pirate Life, Corey Crooks, who uh, tweeted during the... He's the uh, owner of the Grain Store Bar in Newcastle, one of Australia's leading craft beer bars, and he had a bit of a slag-off mid-countdown about the success of Lions Beers. Um, And so we had a bit of a chat to him about that. We also caught up with Jaron Mitchell from Four Pines, uh, Brendan Varis from Ferrell, and Ross Jurisic from Stone and Wood. So all in all, we uh, had a really great chat with the guys, and it is worth uh, hanging around for uh, if you can put up with the uh, rather dreadful sound quality. I think we need to get a little bit of uh, a lesson in live broadcasting from the boys from Inebriation Nation, who uh, certainly have that nailed um, in their podcast. But anyway... Stay tuned, and uh, this is Radio Brews News, the replay of uh, our Hottest 100 live show. And thanks to Cry Malt, this is Radio Brews News coming to you live on Australia Day from Green Beacon at Tenerife. This is the Gab's Hottest 100 Aussie Craft Beers of 2015. And as ever, I'm joined by my good friend, colleague and regular co-host, Pete Mitchum, live from the Tap House in St Kilda. Pete, welcome back. I can hear you loud and clear, Matt. Hey, we did this last year and it, uh, it worked pretty well. Um, g'day listeners, g'day James, and g'day Matt. Oh, sorry, I haven't started. No, I haven't started, James, because you well, haven't introduced him yet. Oh, uh, right, there's just one that surprise. Oh, wait, we're live. One spoiler alert. <laughs> and joining us today is a, a very special guest, radio, Australian Brews News Editor, James Atkinson. James, welcome to the uh, show for the first time. Long time Radio Brews News listener, first time presenter. It's great to be here. Thanks, gentlemen. Prof, uh, before we get started, maybe you can uh, give us a bit of an update. You are at the home of the Hottest 100 uh, down in the uh, local tap house in St Kilda. Mate, tell us, how many have you got down there? What's the atmosphere like and uh, what's been the reaction so far? Well, technically, Matt, it's the former home of uh, the, the tap house Hottest 100 because, of course, it's the Gab's Food and Beer Fest Hottest 100 now. Uh, but, yes, uh, sunny St Kilda, perfect Melbourne summer's day has been put on yet again. Um, it's actually, look, it's interesting. There are a lot of people out here who are local tap house locals and, and regulars, but not necessarily uh, across the whole um, uh, Hottest 100 countdown concept. 
Uh, and look, you get that here because we do have a lot of, uh, you know, backpackers, uh, I was going to say transients, or no, is it indigents? Transients, um, who, you know, sort of pass through. Uh, but the, the concept of, of, of a countdown, uh, it's like kids in a lolly shop here, Matt, it's unbelievable. Well, we've got a great crowd here in at the Green Beacon uh, Brewery, and uh, I reckon there's probably 40 or 50 out there. You might be able to hear some of the strains of the, the other hottest 100 um, going in the background. Hopefully the, the noises, everyone seems to be saying that it's sounding okay. Um, but, mate, what's been the reaction to the... to the? We're up to... Well, we're coming up to the uh, top 10. So what's been the reaction? Any vibe you're picking up down there so far? Uh, yeah, look, there's... there's there's been some very interesting reaction to some of the beers uh, and either the beer or the or the position um and a few people have commented i add um thanks dan murphy's um for that one uh so i think alluding to the fact that because dan murphy's has come on board this year um which is probably a, a big reason for the 112 percent increase in the number of votes on last year but i think it also is going to reflect um, not, not a more mainstream um, feel to the award, uh, to, to, the, to the top 100, but I think you'll certainly find that there are beers that perhaps some of us in the craft beer bubble underestimate in terms of um, you know, quality, consistency, uh, a good all-round beer, uh, something a little bit different with a little bit of interest but that's not too far away from what a lot of people are used to drinking. But it's... You've written a little bit about that of, of late, talking about the uh, talking about the you know broadening of beer. And then we spoke to Steve in the lead up to the uh, hottest 100, the, the Gab's hottest 100. Um, that maybe there will be a time when it won't be the hottest 100 craft beers; it'll just be the hottest 100 beers. And you know, I, I think it's fantastic that Dan Murphy's on, and we are taking the the hottest 100 out from maybe its beer geek base to a much broader profile. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and, and look, at the end of the day, I, I guess I, I often refer back to the first time uh, we planned to do the, the Critics' Choice uh, in Australia's Best Beers. And the number of people who said to us, mate, you won't even get 100 different beers you know, in Australia in 2010, um, you know, let alone be able to rank them 1 to 100. Now, what, what are you talking about? I think it's great that um, there are so many good beers that have already appeared to have missed out on, on this year's Top 100 that, you know, in any year of the five past, uh, you'd be more than happy to, and still to this day, you'd be more than happy to have that presented to you in a phoning fine. Yeah, Prof, I'm just going to quickly throw to James and mute you for a second, if you can hang around for a second, because we are going to get Steve Jeffers on the line. Um, but I'm just going to say to uh, James Atkinson, uh, Bruce News Editor, James, any standouts for you from what we can see so far? There's been quite a lot of talk about the fact that Bad Shepherd made it in, uh, albeit in uh, 100th place, but quite a remarkable um, result for them, considering they've only been around for literally a matter of a few weeks. Um, so they, they got in at 100th with the Hazelnut Brown, brown Ale. Um, and then also there was another brewery that had us ma- madly Googling because we'd never heard of them before. And that was um, Rabbit and Spaghetti Brewing Co. Uh, yeah, so we had no idea who they were. Apparently involved with Naked Wines in, in, in some respect. It was some sort of uh, crowdfunded, I guess you could call it, um, beer label that's, that just came out last year. And that was with the Fox Vienna-style lager. So that was another one that um, 
had a, had a raising a few eyebrows. Now, I haven't seen that in, in, in Dan Murphy's. Uh, do you think that could be a, uh, a Dan Murphy's um, you know, brand, or do, do you think there's a bit of backstory to I, that? I actually, from, from looking at the Naked Wines website, um, the way that their model works is that only people who, who uh, were investment angels and were able to and actually finance the release of that beer were able to access it so it's pretty remarkable that they managed to um to uh to get that one into the into the hottest 100 okay mate look just so we've got steve jeffers here so i'll bring steve up steve jeffers matt kirkyard from uh, radio bruce news how are you going there mate I'm doing well, mate. I'm uh, stuck up here in the uh, in the office, just uh, fielding all these questions and queries from the uh, the uh, hottest 100 uh, Twitter feed. But I'm eager to get a beer soon. Terrific. Well, we're uh, live uh, on Radio Brews News at the moment, so mate, we, we've been having a little bit of a chat. And uh, Prof introduced the idea that there's a bit of surprise that Dan Murphy's had a bit of an effect early on in the uh, countdown already. Uh, you must be pleased that if I. Uh, if that's the case, that the, the bringing Dan Murphy's on as a partner has, uh, you know, has broadened the, uh, the the voting base. Listen, I can't quite hear the question uh, clearly, but I, I think you're basically, uh, if, I'm, if I'm correct, I think you're asking me what influence uh, or or why we've chosen to bring Dan Murphy's on board. Well, obviously, we brought. Um, is that correct? Is that the question? Yeah, and you must be pleased that they have had an uh, that they have had an effect on the uh, voting because we have seen a, a broadening, a few more entries from the craft arms of the major breweries. Yeah, listen, I think uh, having Dan Murphy's on board was a decision we made um, some months ago because um, the hottest one hundred is just growing in number, and we don't want it to be exclusively for the um, the pointy end, if you like, of the beer fans. It's really just an opportunity every year for people just to vote for their favourite five beers of the year and uh, we just want as many people to get involved as possible uh, and Dan Murphy's obviously uh, through their partnership with uh, GAP with the GAP festivals in Melbourne and Sydney um, uh, allow us to get the message out about the poll to a greater number of people as does uh, but, but the numbers of voters uh, more than doubled uh, from last year but much, much of that had occurred before Dan Murphy started promoting it so I think it's uh, through the Gab Network, uh, through the great beer venues that were partners with us around the country, and other uh, for other reasons, uh, just more and more people seem to enjoy the process of voting for their favourite beers and seeing, you know, what the list looks like on Australia Day. Mate, uh, the voting. We, we, we've already done a story on Australian Brews News uh, editor James Atkinson, who's here with us. Um, did a story saying that the voting has been just unparalleled. You've got multiples of even last year, which was a record breaker. Yeah, it, well, I think it's, it's fair to say that I think we grew 112% on last year, so more than double. And uh, the previous year, that's easily the biggest growth we've got. But I would attribute much of that is because now we, have, uh, you know, now it's the Gap Potters 100 um, hold, if you like, is that we have a very large database that, uh, uh, of people who have attended Gap in Melbourne and Sydney, and uh, we, of course, emailed all those people. Um, uh, which includes also people who travel to Gaps from around the country and follow the news that we send out. But um, I think um, that's probably a big reason why more people uh, voted. But as I said, I think it's just, uh, as we all know, just a, a train that uh, no one can slow down. It can't be a train. And it's uh, really exciting just to see more people vote and to see, I think, there's so far about 15 new entries in the results 
so far and it's, um, that keeps it fresh for, for all fans as well as uh, it makes it uh, it's a nice thing for those breweries that haven't had beers uh, featured before. Steve, would you argue that, would you agree that um, the list has been any more mainstream than previous years so far? Because it's probably, I mean, assuming the, considering the involvement of Dan Murphy's, it's probably just as noteworthy for some of the absences so far as well, I would have thought. Oh, listen, there's, there's, we haven't got to the top, uh, you know, we haven't got to the top results yet, so there's still beers to, uh, to find out about, but um, there's always... Certainly beers that have broad distribution uh, have some advantage, but uh, we've seen many, many times over the eight or nine years that the, the poll's been run that uh, there are bolters, there are beers that um, people enjoy that uh, have relatively or even tiny distribution that uh, really connect with um, connect with the punters. And as I think I was saying to you uh, uh, a couple of days ago, James, I think that uh, more and more brewers, uh, breweries are uh, cottoning on to the fact that they don't just need to make great beer, which is table stakes really in this game now, but uh, they also need to learn to uh, build their brand and communicate with beer fans. And I think that's uh, what more and more brewers, both new and uh, established brewers, are actually doing. Well, mate, we might let you get back to the uh, social media. We might, uh, we're just coming up, we're a minute away from uh, launching beers uh, 20 to 11. So we might even check in with you uh, maybe in the when we're well into the top 10 and uh, get your thoughts there. That's fine, listen. Thanks for supporting the countdown and have a fantastic uh, time up there. We'll certainly be listening to the, uh, the podcast from, uh, in Mel- from Melbourne. Terrific, Steve. And we do have a, uh, a, a great uh, uh, listener base and many people in the chat room. So if any of them have got any questions, um, please uh, either type them in or a little bit later we'll be giving you the number that you can phone in. Um, understand there's a little bit of background noise. Unfortunately, we are doing this in a brewery where they are. It's a hot Brisbane day and there are some ceiling fans and there's uh, some music. We'll see if we can do anything about that, guys. But uh, unfortunately, it's just going to be uh, how it is, unfortunately. Um, have we still got Prof with us? Yeah, yeah, yeah still here, mate. Mate, uh, what, what's the... Um, well, we've just seen the uh, next batch uh, go through, I think. Uh, if James hits F5 on the uh, refresh. 20 to 11. 20 yep. to 11. Um, anything interesting there, Prof? Uh, I can't see that bit here. <laughs> I'm going to have to go out into the noisy area. Okay, so, well, we've got two from um, Mount, we've got two from Mountain Goat. We've got Mountain Goat Steam Ale and Mountain Goat Summer Ale, which is a bit of a, uh, uh, a twin you know, bookends for, for the same style. Cooper's Pale Ale, yep. great beer to have in the uh, Top 100 on Australia Day. Feral Brewing Company, Warhog, their specialty one-off. Um, Big Shed Brewing, Golden Ty- Golden's Stout Time. Bridge Road Brewers, Beechworth Pale Ale. Now there is a uh, Australian classic, um, a modern Australian classic. Brew Cult, Milk and Two Sugars, Two Birds Brewing, Taco, which uh, from memory is down from last year. James Squire, Hop Thief 7. Um, great to see one of the really hop, uh, aggressively hop beers from the big brewers up there. Pirate Life Brewing, Throwback at number 11. Um, and that rounds out the, that, that rounds them out. Any surprises there for you, Prof? Look, I think probably, uh, just in general terms, I think the thing that I found interesting is that there are probably, we talk a lot about sessionable beers, you know, Australian-style pale ales or golden ales, 
and yet people sort of, I guess, not putting their money where their beer is. Um, it, it's a lot of IPAs and pale ales when it comes to actually, you know, physically uh, committing to a to a vote. Mate, do you see any, you know, uh, trends? You know, golden ales and that, that lighter style have been really reflected in beer sales. But apart from those two from um, Mountain Goat, um, we're not seeing too many sort of milder styles uh, coming through just yet. Yeah, and whereas I think they're the ones that I guess people are being drawn to and they're, they're certainly the, the flavour of the month and they're, they're the, I guess, the, the go-to or the everyday beers. But it seems that when people click online and, uh, and go to vote for their hottest 100 beers, it's more a case of, I guess, the, the big, bolder flavours stand out and they're the ones that, that, that hook the votes. Brock, no doubt you voted. Are you willing to tell us who you voted for or who was in your, uh, your, your top five? Oh, you, you're, you're just dropping out there, Matt. Um, I, you're breaking up. I, I can't hear you. <laughs> now, look, I will. I will after. Now, look, uh, look. Stonewall Pacific Ale, um, Hop Hog. Um, I've got uh, Four Pines Colch. I've got uh, Wolf of the Willows uh, XPA. Uh, and I'll leave the fifth one until later. Okay. James, James Atkinson. So I don't know. Uh, uh, yeah. But... I've got to be honest. I actually didn't vote. <laughs> oh, 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 mate. Yeah. <laughs> Too, too I prefer yet. to stay impartial with these things, you know, be the impartial journalist. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Look, I'll, I'll, I'll grant that. Um, I, I'm, I'm trying to think of what I had, but I certainly had Green Beacon's Colch that James and I are going to try next. We're drinking the uh, Green Beacon Wayfarer Wheat at the moment. And I had the uh, Four Pines Colch in as well, so I might be able to uh, maybe wangle some free beer out of Jarrell, Jaron Mitchell, who's the uh, CEO of Four Pines that we've got coming up next. Prof... You probably have to run off. You're still there, Prof? Hello, Pete. Yeah, 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 still here. I've, <laughs> I've just got to head off to official MC duties now. I was just saying that. So, mate, thank you very much otherwise, for joining us. Otherwise, I'd be more than happy to talk to you about my, my votes. <laughs> maybe. Uh, and we, defend them adamantly. Maybe you can touch base with us a little bit later and let us know how things are going. Yeah, no worries at all. Good luck, Prof. Talk to you soon. Enjoy the day. Australia. Jim, now we do have... Um, are there any questions in the chat room? We've got a great following there. Hopefully, uh, we, we, we are playing with the sound. Um, hopefully, uh, Bray Maloney, who seems to be our uh, go-to man to make sure, um, hopefully you could hear uh, Pete a little bit better. We are tweaking the sound. James, mate, this time last year, you were working for The Shout, which is one of the trade publications. Does a poll like the Hottest 100 resonate much in that broader uh, mainstream drinks journalism? Um, I, th I think it does and I think it's, you know, with every year it's gotten more momentum and, and um, people have to take notice of it because I think it gives you a, you know, it gives people a good indicator of the pointy end of the market or the, the sort of trends that are happening at the forefront of, of, of beer. Not many of the listeners uh, of the, the podcast, everyone would know Prof pretty well. Um, not too many of them would know you. What, tell us a little bit about what your preferred drinking styles. What are your favourite uh, beers and the, the, your go-to styles? I'm a bit of an IPA fanatic. Um, I like really good, balanced American IPAs, if, if, I, can, yeah, if, if I can get hold of them. 
Um, so very excited to try the, the new Fixation IPA and actually I dropped in at Archive earlier on hoping that I'd find it on tap there, but it wasn't there, so I'm going to have to wait till it gets to Sydney in March. Fixation, of course, is the uh, IPA brand that has been established by uh, Stone and Wood Brewing, um, which famously once said they would never make an IPA. And uh, Tom Delmont, who was formerly the head road goat for Mountain Goat in Melbourne, has uh, joined them to, and he's a renowned hop lover, loves his big hops, um, has joined them and I was lucky enough to be at the launch uh, in Brisbane and, and tried it and I have to say that if you were going to describe a stone and wood IPA, that was it. It was 6.4% uh, from memory, big, bold, but still beautifully balanced and they seem to have really brought the malt through to, to carry it and I thought it was a delightful beer and the balance meant that the uh, 65 IBUs uh, just was perfectly integrated and almost deceptively so. So you didn't taste the alcohol, you didn't taste the, uh, the bitterness out of proportion. So it was really, really, really nicely done. High praise from a man who admits that he's not the biggest fan of IPAs. Yeah, actually, that's a couple of times. Uh, Tommy Delmont actually um, collared me with that one as well, saying that's not bad praise for a guy that doesn't like IPAs. And I, that, that's a bit of a furphy. I don't dislike IPAs at all. I don't like um, the unbalanced IPAs. I, I, I don't like IPAs that are purely about hops. And that takes me out of a chat room. Let me know what you think. Um, I find that balance is the key. And beers that are just purely about uh, hops and beers that are purely about having the, you know, that acid and uh, residue hops on your palate when you wake up the next morning aren't, aren't particularly what I enjoy. Um, but then again, like I love a curry and I love a curry that brings a sweat to your brow, but I don't see it as something that needs to be endured. I see it as something that you want to enjoy. And a lot of the IPAs and a lot of the pale ales that are coming out, I find, are a little bit about enduring hops as opposed to enjoying the hops. Yeah, and there, there is something that's um, pretty awful about buying a, you know, a, a schooner of IPA and, and then thinking, gee, I'm going to have to drink this entire thing and it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be a long road. But um, what did you think? We've just tried the Wayfarer Wheat at Green Beacon, and Green Beacon has, uh, make sure I'm not giving anything away, Green Beacon has featured in the uh, Hottest 100. I understand that they, they did very well at the Craft Beer Industry Association Awards, um, and I believe that they went very, very close to taking out the top uh, brewery. So Green Beacon was at number 52 with the Windjammer IPA. Uh, I think you had the Pale Ale a little bit earlier. That was really impressive. Yeah, I mean, it... Uh, I was kind of expecting something a little bit more along the along your favourite um, beer style session IPA because it did it did have session in the name, but no, it was supremely balanced and a lot of really nice mango characters, which is something you don't see too often. We'll be checking in with uh, Chris Borbus, who's the uh, venue manager of the uh, uh, Green Beacon, which is where we're broadcasting from, and uh, having a little bit of a chat about the hop bill. But yeah, no, it, it's definitely got fruit in there. Uh, Johan, who's their brewer, Joe, as he's uh, known, doing some really good beers. If anyone is in Brisbane or you're visiting Brisbane, well, I could get myself in trouble here, sort of singling any one brewery out, but it's probably my pick of the breweries that's doing beers that are just nailing quality, consistency and balance. There are some breweries that are doing some very 
avant-garde and adventurous stuff and creating a lot of waves and uh, venues are doing great collaborations and things but Green Beacon is the one that I think that just really nails the sort of balance and it, actually I'm, I'm a little bit surprised they haven't done better um, in, in the, the hottest 100 but they're not one of those breweries that has a great social media they don't really resonate with that um, you know, craft beer geek mentality but the beers are just spot on do they really get any distribution outside of uh, Queensland anyway? Because we certainly don't see them in Sydney. And so in that sense, I would suggest that having one beer in the hottest 100 is a pretty good result. Yeah, and that's an interesting discussion uh, to be had because do you need national distribution to do well? There are a whole lot of breweries that we see that probably don't have really broad-scale distribution and just have that rock star appeal. Um, there, then there are a lot that probably aren't doing extraordinarily uh, exciting beers, but are, are, are still sort of getting their beers up there, um, and sort of you're seeing three and four in. Um, then again, I, I don't think we've seen too many from Bacchus Brewing, which is one of the, the Brisbane breweries that uh, has a, a cult following amongst Brisbaneites and is doing, you know, he's been described as the Heston, Ross Kenrick has been described as the Heston of uh, you know, brewing because he does... You know, 70, 80, 90 uh, different beers uh, a year. In fact, that's probably even underselling it. But I don't recall seeing any in, in the list. So it, maybe he's a victim of having so many flavours that, that, that they, they don't come in. Have, have yeah. you tried any of the Bacchus beers while you've been here? To be honest, we don't really get them in Sydney and uh, I haven't spent enough time in, in Brisbane. So, yeah, I'll have to... Um, next time I come up here, I'll have to make a beeline for Bacchus. Now, we are just about to get... So I might get you to just have a bit of a chat about uh, what you've noticed. Uh, you've had a bit of a look around Brisbane. Um, now, that's where we're recording from. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about uh, you know, what's going on in Brisbane, what you've noticed being a, uh, a Sydney lad. And I'll uh, get Jaron Mitchell on the, on the phone. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, Matt, if you ever decide that you've had enough of the beer writing game, then you could probably get a job as a, as a tour guide because um, Matt drove me around earlier on and pointed out um, a lot of the new spots that, that have opened. And as with most Australian cities at the moment, it's actually really exciting for beer because there are just so many, so many new breweries um, a lot of a lot of uh, new beer venues that are really pushing craft beer, and then a lot of old school pubs that are, um, you know, starting to dip their toe in the water, and they basically can't ignore good beer anymore. So, yeah, it looks like Brisbane's moving in the same direction as um, as as Sydney's in that regard. So, where did you visit today? Uh, look, I didn't have a huge amount of time to, to have a look around because I was actually sitting on the West End. Yeah, but um, I was kicking around in West End and prior to, prior to heading over to Green Beacon, I just stopped by Archive, which is um, obviously a venue I'd heard plenty about. And uh, yeah, just had a quick stone and wood forager. Um, and now I'm here. You know, getting the countdown. Broadcasting. So we are just now. It's not going to be great. We're coming up to. Uh, we've just seen the number ten beer from Beryl released. Uh, Karma Citra Black IPA. What do you reckon? Uh, there's going to be a little bit of battle. Um, we haven't seen Stonewood Pacific Ale yet. We haven't seen Feral Hop Hog. So they're obviously coming up for their you know, sort of top ten finish. Uh, 
we don't know how high they're going to be, but uh, Farrell's got a second in the top 10. I reckon that that's a massive result for Karma Citra because I think it only got released permanently in, in Farrell's bottle range um, going back, I don't know, it would have only been about six months ago, I think. And having spoken to Steve Finney at Farrell, it's, it's been selling really well for them. And yeah, I mean, it was a pretty ambitious move for them, putting a black IPA out in bottles on national distribution. And it, it looks like it's paid off. Now, we are just about to get uh, Jaron Mitchell on the phone to have a little bit of a chat about the, the, the Four Pines. Um, we've just seen Shane Jasprizer in the chat room say Pirate Life by two in the top ten, question mark, question mark, question mark. He's obviously... It, sorry, I'll just uh, bring you up there, uh, Jared. Jaron Mitchell, uh, welcome to Radio Brews News. Hey, Matt. How are you going, mate? Not too bad. Now, mate, what are you up to on Australia Day? Oh, great question. I've uh, I've now got a four and a two year old Matt, so uh, my Australia days have become a lot more subdued. Um, they're more of an R and R session, if if that makes sense. And um, mate, a little bit of family time in the morning. I'm actually going to take the uh, the commies down to the beach after we chat. Nice one, mate. Um, yeah, it doesn't sound like it, it, it doesn't sound like the Australia days of old. I know, but um, <laughs> I actually. Uh, I, I, I had, a, had a couple of days in Adelaide this week. Um, for, for, for work? Yeah, yeah, drinking a lot. And then I came home and all I needed was, um, you know, three hours on the couch just speaking to no one. But you don't get that walking into a house of young kids. So I kind of dragged those three day, that three hours out over about three or four days, if that makes sense. So mm-hmm. I'm, uh, I think I'm just getting the final bit of uh, rest now in Australia though. And you are following the uh, Hottest 100 countdown at home? Yeah, yeah, mate, I am, absolutely. Um, yeah, mate, we a bit harder when I go to the beach, but I'll, I'll probably come back and see the final result, I suppose. How are you feeling about where you guys have uh, featured so far? I'm just looking at... Uh, it must have been great to see the bastard children uh, come in at 48. I can't think of too many... I was surprised that Stone and Wood's uh, Beers of the World didn't feature anywhere, but uh, the bastard children, uh, uh, Australian-style pale ale, um, has featured in at 48. There are a couple that we haven't seen yet, so you must be hopeful that you're going to have a couple in the top ten. Yeah, I, um, funny, you know, I was actually surprised because I, I thought with a, you know, a pack like that, Bastard's pack, um, almost the, the the pack itself is probably a bit, you know, kind of more of the show than the beers, if that sort of makes sense. Yep. So, for, for whatever reason, um, yeah, obviously a few people have, have picked on to the... Um, the Australian Paler that we, we did in that, and um, oh, it's great, you know, like it, as I said, not the, uh, yeah, I mean, for me personally, it wasn't the, um, you know, I, I thought it was a great version of the beer, but it certainly wasn't the standout of the pack for me, but anyway, that's, that's how it goes, I suppose. That's the great thing about everyone having a very different palate. Now, we've got a question from the chat room. Bray Maloney has uh, asked, were you surprised with your the, the reception of your bigger, crazier styles, for example, the West, the, the West Coast Rye? Um, it's funny, like, looking at the list this year, it seems that, um, well, I was obviously gravitating more and more as the years go on, that, that the pales and IPAs and specialty IPAs um, seem to be the, you know, the real, I suppose, you know, what's getting people talking and, and in, in a competition like this getting people voting. Um, so, yeah, probably relative to, you know, um, I suppose any of our other beers, I, I thought that was up there with you know, um, with the best shot. And in fact, um, I think just 
you know, taking a bit of a, uh, a gut feel from the trade and that kind of thing. It was certainly the Calador that we brought out this year that, that got the most buzz, I think. So um, to see it at around, the, you know, 40 or 50 or wherever it got in the end, I, I think that's a, a pretty fair spot for it. Now, Shane uh, has just chipped in with, will Four Pines brew citrus IPA again? Please say yes. <laughs> oh, Shane, never say never. Um, we'll, uh, we'll be constantly doing it at the brew pub. Um, so you'll, not always, but you'll, you'll often be able to get it down at the brew pub there. But uh, no, mate, I, I think that's the, the beautiful thing about special release beers. It just... Uh, keeps the mouth watering right and um, you know, I'm, I'm sure we'll see it again sometime, just not sure when that time will be. Now my, my own uh, personal story, my, my partner uh, the, the, the lovely Rana um, doesn't she, she loves a beer and your Kolsch is one of her go-tos um, hold on I've just been, uh, has turned into the light oh, okay um, we'll, we'll get to that in a second, sorry I've just had a, uh, I've just had a tweet brought to my attention um, the my partner Rana um, doesn't mind a beer, but your Kolsch is her go-to beer. So uh, she's a big fan of that, and I find that she's a really good barometer for how brewers are doing, and you know, just getting that sort of every—I won't say every man, but every person—perception. Uh, I was lucky enough to get a bottle of your uh, Christmas uh, saison sent to me, and uh, as soon as I opened the bottle and started to pour it, she uh, said, "Wow, that smells like Christmas." So you were doing something right there. How was you know, with those lovely Christmas spices in there? How did how was the reception to that one? Yeah, that's been a fun one. We we first brewed our Christmas ale um, way back in 2009 just at the brew pub and had a bit of like a Christmas, you know, I'd, I'd say dinner, but there was a lot more beer drunk than food eaten, so probably more Christmas drinks, you'd say. Um, and originally we went for more of a, uh, a Northern Hemisphere Christmas ale, you know, you know, 8 to 10%, just big and plummy and stewy and you know you almost need a knife and fork to eat it and it became pretty apparent to us over the years um one from a uh, intoxication on that evening but two also um uh you know just sort of something that was more reflective of the, the southern hemisphere christmas you know we we don't we have more prawns and um cold meats than we do hot turkeys and so on and so forth out of the oven so just we've, over the years, we've sort of slowly evolved it and, and we've brought it out every year over at the brew pub and put like a Southern Hemisphere um, spin on it, I suppose, on, on the weight of the beer and but still maintaining all those kind of Christmas uh, spices that we originally, um, you know, I suppose we originally used. And, uh, yeah, so what, what's that now? That's probably a good six cracks at it now before we... Uh, we released it in kegs in 2014, down to the trade. And this is the first year that we are uh, whacked in bottles, and yeah, we're, we're happy with we were around it, to be honest. Mate, this is uh, this is Radio Brews News, so we do ask the hard questions. Counting out the complete uh, works of Four Pines, do you are there any Australian craft breweries that always make it or regularly make it into your fridge? Um, I'm a bit probably <laughs> probably like most uh, beer drinkers. I'm pretty promiscuous. Um, when it comes, I mean, obviously, you know, I get a I get a case a month for uh, for free and stuff prices, so you know that makes drinking four pints beer pretty appealing. Um, but you know, as far as in the fridge, but I I'm just, yeah very very promiscuous when I'm you know I suppose um, uh, you know looking at sort of different um, Australian beers that I've got in the fridge. Right now, I've got a uh, a Bridge Road 
Mac 5 Big Bomber 750, or it might even be more. You know that massive big bridge road? Yes. Um, yeah, so I've got that. I'm actually looking forward to cracking that open today, to be honest. Um, but, yeah, I'm going to need somebody or probably two or three people to, to share it with, otherwise that's going to cause a few problems. I think that's coming in at about 10 or 11%. So, um, yeah, and, mate, I, I, you know, as I said, I was just down in Adelaide, um, you know, this week, and great to see the, you know, the, the thing I've been telling everyone is probably, you know, all the stars um, are probably where they were in, in Brizzy, say, about four or five years ago in Adelaide now. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can always just see this kind of big bang explosion about to happen with the, the scene down there, and there's some, you know, great beers and, and uh you know, great breweries um, doing some excellent work down there at the moment. So, yeah, mate, uh, long story short, and probably like everyone listening to this, I'm, I'm pretty promiscuous. Just as we're coming up to the num- the reveal of the number nine, mate, you guys have been around for a while. Very famous story about uh, deciding to start the brewery when you and your dad were having a surf and couldn't find a locally brewed beer to drink after the surf. Long, uh, you know, uh, well, we've seen a lot of water under the bridge since then. Um, you guys now have a production brewery. You're a national uh, operation. You've got a couple of sales reps in most of the uh, east. We're seeing a lot of Fort Pine signs uh, you know, appearing above uh, some of the you know, popular craft beer watering holes. You must be pretty pleased with how you're growing. Are you starting to find that people are you know, discussing is Four Pines still craft or do, does the whole craft thing not mean much to Four Pines anymore? <laughs> oh, that's a different conversation for a different time, mate. Um, craft's a five-letter word, and um, that's probably at this stage, you know, the the, the most weight that the you know the word craft is, is sort of seeming to hold these days. It's becoming uh, the discussion of what is craft. It's almost a bit counterintuitive to you know why a whole bunch of us got into this in the first place. And um, you know, I think in Australia we don't really have a tight uh, definition for, for what is craft. It, you know, it's almost open to, to every single person's interpretation. That's fine, and, and that's um, whereas you know, is is Four Pines still, you know, Australian-made, family-owned? You know, we brew with, um, you know, beer in mind first. Um, you know, as in we don't spare expense when it comes to hops and and malt and um, you know process and you know time, you know, fermenting and maturating and so on and so forth. Um, look, that hasn't changed. Um, you know, since year one or day one. In fact, we've actually got better at it because as we've grown, we've been able to invest more and more in, you know, better equipment and, uh, you know, more techniques and more skilled brewers and, you know, a greater lab and, you know, all these sort of things. And, you know, it's funny, you know, we have these debates in this country, what's craft and how big's craft. I mean, none of us that still regard ourselves as, as, you know, that, that, that debate is kind of being launched at. Um, I mean, just to put it in perspective, if, you, if you've got Cooper's Brewery and you plonk them in the uh, plonk them in the US, that'd still be about yeah. a tenth of a tenth of the size of what qualifies as craft over there when when size becomes a definition. And they're so, not even top five uh, in terms of size. They're not even in the top five. Oh, that's my point. They they could grow another ten times. I mean, Sierra Nevada's bigger than them. New Belgium's bigger than them. Um, you know, yearlings bigger than them. Um, uh, yeah, Samuel Adams, etc. Sorry, Sam Adams. Yep. Yeah, oh, Sierra Nevada, New Belgium, Lagunitas. They're about Lagunitas size, to be honest. I think I worked out um, chatting the Lagunitas guys this year that Lagunitas are about the entire size of the Australian craft beer segment. 
So, you know, it's, mate, as far as I'm concerned, it's just a, um, it's a, uh, it's really just a, a segmentation, a, a word to, to segment beer, you know, as the same as uh, you would low carb or as you would premium imported or whatever it might be. But really, it comes down to when, you know, what what does the brewery, uh, what's the brewery's intentions and purpose, and what is the the you know, the ultimate thing, what's the consumer looking for when they're buying a beer? And I don't think a, a, a consumer's looking for a craft beer. Craft beer is merely just a, um, a, uh, a proxy for a whole bunch of other things that they're actually looking for. They're looking for care, they're looking for size, they're looking for process, they're looking for who owns it, they're looking for why the, the, the company started in the first place. Craft is just this word that covers all of that and it means a whole bunch of different things to different people. That sort of makes sense. It certainly does, mate. We've just seen Modus Operandi, uh, a, a local to you, Modus Operandi Brewing Company, with former tenant um, come in at number nine. And mate, you must have fast, you must have faster internet than me. No, <laughs> I, I actually saw it. On, I think Crafty Pint's going uh, going a minute before the uh, official time. Uh, I read on. Crafty oh, is this, is this like a Foxtel versus Channel Nine kind of thing? Oh, mate, he's he is a dog. You know, he. he, he <laughs> He, he plays this. I'm little. This little craft brewery, you know, style thing. When he is just an absolute machine. So you know, he's it, it just, it just a media whore. Is he just a ruthless animal? I actually think he's. I, I heard that, um, that he, he's had investment from one of the big breweries, um, and uh, they're actually bankrolling him. So uh, yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I, I'm not sure that he's a craft website anymore. Um, Bowcraft, I believe. Oh, craft website. I, I was I was under the impression that um, Rupert Murdoch also had was like pulling the strings through one of his shelf comp- his English shelf company or something like that in Crafty Pie. There is every chance, so he might need to offload those when his latest uh, marriage goes south. But uh, that's probably shouldn't say that. They'll pull the plug on us. Um, we do have one more question before we let you go. Matt begs in the chat room: Will there be more breweries using cans as the industry continues to grow? And uh, I guess are we going to see more of your beers in cans? Um, probably the first question, I think absolutely. I mean, we're only on the, um, the real, you know, precipices of where cans can, can go. And I, I don't know, are they going to end up being bigger than bottles? I don't think so. Um, you know, they're not in, in traditional beer, so I don't think they'll be, um, they'll end up being bigger in, uh, in, in, you know, let's call it craft beer. But, um, and the same if you look at the craft beer industry in the US, um, you know, uh, stubbies over there still, you know, still outweigh cans probably about you know, 10 to 1 or if that's not the right number I, I apologise for my misquote but it's, it's still fairly heavily weighted in bottles so they'll, you know, right now here we're only on the, the, the very very starting point but we'll definitely see more more beers and cans uh, as for our beers um, you're not sure, I mean time will tell I mean the, the Indian summer pale ale just made sense just um, you know, the, the kind of beer it is and, and where you'd actually drink it um, probably everywhere where a can makes sense um, and as I said, yeah, it's just uh, time will tell as far as the um, uh, what, what our and we we will be bringing out new beers um, this year. Um, you know, some permanent skews and obviously some Calador um, beers as well. So whether they're in cans or bottles, that's all uh, TBC. Pretty incredible debut for um, Indian Summer in the hottest 100 this year at 35. Yeah, um, I that surprised me to be honest. Um, I think the thing as well, Matt, is, you know, I, I love this competition. It's just a good, fun, um, 
you know, I suppose it's just a fun day out and, um, you know, give um, you know, beer drinkers a chance just to, you know, I suppose, see what they're all thinking against each other. But at the end of the day, as much as it's, you know, the hottest 100 beers, we don't shy away from the fact that, you know, we, we, as you said, we're a national brewery and, and we've got a, a bit of a network now where our beers can uh, reach more people sooner. And, you know, our, our summer pale ale, uh, that was only out for about, that been out for about six or eight weeks. So I think the fact that that got 35, yeah, it's a great beer. And in fact, um, I was finishing one of these as we were speaking. But um, you know, I think a lot of that's testament to you know, the, the reach that, that, say, a brewery like Four Pines and other large breweries now have. Mate, just, just following on that, whereabouts do you get that canned? Or where do, do you, you obviously brew that off-site, not having a canning line yourself. Um, whereabouts do you get that made? Uh, so we get that canned down in um, Campari. Um, they've got a, a big canning line, and they also do um, our, uh, our ginger beer cans as well. There's been a little bit of a chat about the quality of some of the smaller canning lines and whether or not they're, you know, there was a lot of talk about cans are better for beer because of the, they exclude light, they uh, don't allow oxygen in. But there's also been some talk that maybe some of the smaller canning lines aren't quite as good as the, the, the bigger setups in terms of, uh, you know, beer storage quality. Do you have any thoughts about, you know, whether you guys would invest in a small canning line or whether you don't think it's there yet or you've got concerns about quality? Oh, look, we have tossed that around a million times over. Um, and, yeah, it's, it is... Um, and the same goes for bottling line. And it's really hard, you know, and that's... I suppose in the early days, like our, our bottling line um, that, that we originally had, yeah, we used to do um, uh, dissolved oxygen or DO counts on the, the finished beer, um, you know, that, that ended up being packaged. And, you know, that, that's, that really is the number that, that tells you, you know, what the shelf life's like or going to be. And, yeah, our DOs were, were compared to what we have these days in our new bottling line, they're actually you know, really high, but that's, that's the best you can do with what you've got at the time. And, and there's sort of two schools of thought. It's do you, you know, and, and that's where, you know, I think it's pretty easy to sit, and I'm talking about breweries, you know, every brewery in every state now. Um, there's, there's two ways that I suppose they can grow their business. And number one is they can kind of chip away and, and you know, use the equipment that they've got at the time and do the best they can do with what they've got. Um, you know, that, that the beer and bright beer can you know, have incredibly low DOs, but the, the packaging part of the, the, the journey can, can almost ruin it. Um, or you, you know, if you sell a little chunk of your business um, in the early days and, and invest in the, the newest and best and greatest stuff, uh, it's probably not going to be the greatest stuff because the greatest stuff is going to cost, you know, you're going to be buying that from Crohn's and it's probably going to cost you about $10 million for a bottling line. Um, but you, 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 instead of buying a Maserati or, sorry, a Maserati at one end instead of buying a beaten up, um, you know, Honda, uh, Toyota Crown, you're probably buying like a, a Holden Commodore, right? And that that requires a lot of external investment. It requires a lot of external investment from, you know, non-beer guys, from guys in, in Pitch Street in Sydney and so on and so forth. And then, but then you'll have people turn around and say, oh, you're a sellout, you sold some of your business to, to rich money guys, um, before you started, in a way, you can't really win. I mean, what, what, what's the what's the right way here? Is it to is it to chip away and end up with your beer in a in a substandard quality, or is it to sell a bit of your business and, and um, 
you know, I suppose invest in the, the newest and greatest and best stuff. So, I know, yeah, so sorry, we've, so I don't mean to cut you short because that's a fascinating yeah, topic. Sure. But uh, we've just had a news bulletin. Uh, Four Pine Brewing Company, Colch, has come in at number eight. Congratulations. Oh, great. Oh, thank you. Oh, that's fantastic. Awesome. All right, I've got one of those in the fridge. I'll have one of those as well. <laughs> And I should say, this, I'm here with James Atkinson, who's the editor of Australian Brews News, and he's uh, going to wait. Hey, mate, how are you? Yeah, good, mate. You've been if, quiet. If you hadn't worked that out already. Actually, I asked you a question earlier, and you called me Matt, but um, never mind. Uh, oh, it's like, it's, it's, like, um, it's like a husband and wife. They begin to, you know how they begin to look like each other after 20 or 30 or 50 years? You oh, feel begin to sound like each other. Mate, I'm not a Sydney hipster. <laughs> <laughs> where does it? Mate, where does it mate you're, you're you're an you're an Indrapilly hipster, are you? Uh, mate, I'm, I'm a I'm a Red Hill uh, uh, Bohemian. <laughs> anyway, James. No, I was just going to ask, um, where what role does the Colch play in your range? I mean, is that like your hero beer, or is that is is the is the pale ale your hero beer? Which what what do you see as being your flagship? Oh, there's that new movie coming out, isn't it? Superman versus Batman. Whose side are you on, James? Is that a rhetorical question? I was assuming it was. Oh, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I, I just asked a question. I just saw that preview the other day. I thought, what a ridiculous concept. Superman would win every time. Well, that's not even a battle. <laughs> so does that mean... But you, does that mean you, hey, which is the biggest seller for you? Uh, 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 pa- Pale's our biggest seller. Okay. Um, but I think... Well, no, Colch used to be our biggest seller. Um, Pale caught it, and then Pale has kind of kept going. And I think what that was, number one, will, I mean, there was definitely breweries in, in Australia doing Colch's before us, no doubt. Um, but we were definitely the first uh, brewery to, I suppose, um, take the, the Colch to a bit of a wider, a bit of a wider reach. And um, Colch, really, that's, you know, I... Apologies for the, the cliche, but that's a um, that's our gateway beer. That's what brings people not just into Four Pines, but also into you know to, to new beers and beers with flavour. And I mean, I always tell the story when we when we first started at the brew pub, um, which we operated for two years before we actually sold our beers uh, wholesale. Um, you know, customers would come upstairs and and oh mate, I'll just have a few drinks, I'll have a VB or a Chili or whatever it might be. I'd say, oh no, we're a, we're a small microbrewery. Um, we don't stock sort of, you know, regular beers. Uh, we brew our beer off-site. And, you know, back in 2008, that was just such a foreign concept for most people in Sydney. And they go, oh, bullshit. Where, where do you brew? And I'd point three metres away where that little, that little brewery is in the brew pub. And they'd go, that's just a show, isn't it? I'd go, no, no, that's like a, a real working brewery. In, in people's minds, breweries look up an entire suburb. And, um... And, and they'd go, right, then I'll have one of your pale ales because pale ale was actually the only style that they had ever heard of, obviously through Cooper's pale ale. And maybe by that time, the creature's pale ale had begun to you know, reach the, the you know, let's call it beer masses. So I'd, I'd say, well, that's great, but, but I'll give you a little bit of the pale ale. We'll try the cold as well and tell me which one tell me which one you're on. And I'd say nine times out of ten in those days, I'll have one of those cultures. And that even included guys that came up and I didn't have that first story with and said, can I please have a pale ale? And straight away you sniff them and they'll say, you've only ever drunk some Cooper's pale ale, right? And they say, yep. I'll say, look, just try a bit of this colch because the, the colch, funnily enough, is a lot closer to the Cooper's pale ale than what now. Um, 
you know, hop-driven American-style parallel And once again, more often than not, that, that head towards the coach. Now, over the seven and a half years of the brew pub being open, a whole bunch of people have never really got coach. It's just accepting now. Yet, a, ho- a whole bunch of other people, that's been the start of their beer journey. And not too, not too long after, they were on to the, the pale ale, and they were going you know, to test you know, when it was warmer, and then ESB and Stout. And there's some guys now that I originally introduced to Colts, all they'll bring down to Calador. And the first question they ask when they come upstairs now is, what's on the Calador? So we've got sort of four Calador taps at any one time. So it's just amazing watching, you know, we, we kind of, it's almost assumed that people are going to go on this beer journey. And, and, and but for, for some people, plus um, go on, like when some people go on a Europe trip, right? They they get to uh, their first destination, they go, God, it's lovely, and they end up finding a chick there and getting married and having kids, and that's the end of their life, right? So um, yeah, so I suppose the, the culture up plays such an important role of of being able to make four pines um, and and you know, I suppose Australian. Um, you know, small breweries um, accessible uh, because, you know, I suppose the temptation is to throw, you know, citrus IPAs and, and West Coast IPAs, rye IPAs, whatever it might be, kind of, you know, excite the, the real pointy end. Um, but, you know, the culture's been great for a few years. It's been a, um, and I mean, even, even, you know, everyone talks about the US and how, you know, you know we're just X amount of years behind the US and whatever. But I believe that Firestone Walker's Colts last year, the, that accounted for the biggest growth um, in the US craft beer market. Wow. Mate, then... So, so, so it almost shows that, you know, if you like, a, a one, it, it's reaching broader masses, but two, a bit of a, a, bit of a maturing of, um, of, of the, the segment as well. You know, hang on a minute, I don't have to drink a 10% triple IPA that rips my throat apart every time I, I drink. I, I can just drink beer that's it's really nice to drink and I enjoy it. Mate, just had a uh, tweet come in from Matt Beggs, or Matthew Beggs, uh, at Matthew Beggs on Twitter, and he's also listening in our chat room. He just said the uh, the hottest 100 beers is now proof that Four Pines Beer is Australia's most important craft brewery. Any comment on that? Most imported? <laughs> most important. <laughs> Oh, um, <laughs> all right. Right. I, I can actually you feel you blushing. Raw nerve there, mate. <laughs> oh, look, okay, Matthew, kicks over, all that stuff brewed in Thailand, our, our Bale and Manly Brewery, just for show. Um, oh, right, okay. Um, yeah, I, I don't know how to answer that, to be honest. I'm, I'm as you've probably told from this uh, chat, I'm really stuck for words, but important. Um, I've I, I, Assume that's a uh, assume that's a compliment. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. But what, what, what is, he, is he live? Is he able to expand on the question? I don't know. He, he's listening there. So uh, Matt, if you're there, um, we can maybe if you can uh, just sort of type something into the uh, message box and we can uh, read it out. Um, it, one of the things that's, that's interesting, and one of the things that I credit probably you guys with more than anybody, Red Hill Brewery, which has been around for a long time, has their Golden Ale, which they called a Golden Ale because they thought Kolsch was too challenging an idea for Australian craft brewers when they released it. You guys came out with your Kolsch and seemed to really manage to popularise the style the way that no one else has, that they now feel that they could call their Golden Ale a Kolsch. 
you know, is timing important when it comes to, uh, you know, sort of naming a beer? Uh, yeah, but then sometimes there's a bit of a, there's a bit of a, just an attitude of, you know what, stuff it, we're just, we're just going to do it. Um, and I think, I, I, that'd be great if they renamed their beer to, to a Colch, that'd be fantastic because, you know, part of what we believe our job to do as a, you know, as a um, small brewer is to, and whilst Colch as a style isn't a million miles away from a lager day, is actually to show beer drinkers that there's breadth of styles out there like there is in, you know, wine is obviously the, the cliche that everybody uses. Um, so, but saying that, mate, we, every day, we walk into bottle shops and pubs and we, we have the same question, what's Colch? Uh, and we have to go through that, we have to go through that question, um, you know, and answer every single day. But the, um, the, the interesting, uh, the interesting thing about that is our Colch, or, you know, K-O-L-S-E-H, it, it varies from the, the Kirsch, or, you know, with the, the original Kirsch from uh, Cologne with the Umlat. Yep. Um, and, and you know, that's obviously ratified in the um, uh, in that kind of area. It, it's um, like amazing Shanta, how you've managed like, to subvert international uh, trade practices law just by removing the umlauts. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's great, isn't it? Um, but, but, but also, so, and very quick, I don't mean to sort of cut you off, but uh, whilst we've been chatting, and it has now intention been our intention to keep you on this long, but number seven has just come out, and it's Four Pines Brewing Company Pale Ale. Oh, yeah, great. So, eight yeah, and okay. seven. Congratulations. The timing's just no, sublime. Oh, <laughs> uh, look, I, I, think, I think you guys knew this in advance, but it's no, all no, good. I'd I I, I slotted all of these uh, five-minute chats in, and we phoned you uh, 29 minutes ago, so it, it, it actually wasn't planned. But Matt Peggs has also uh, um, amplified his comment. I feel that as a brewery, they've got the balance right between making good approachable beers that expand the craft beer community while also producing beers that challenge us with, with their creativity and their quality. I don't think you could come up with a better uh, testimonial for a inverted commas craft brewery than that. What do you think? Yeah, look, thanks, Matt. Uh, that's, uh, that's actually uh, really, really kind words. And um, yeah, look, that's, that's what we try and do. So I'm, I'm, I'm uh, wrapped that um, Matt and I hope many others, you know, I suppose, view us like that. So uh, yeah, we, we, we want to make beers that have broad reach. Um, but we also, you know, want to keep, um, you know, that, that real kind of beer curious, those people that want to go on that beer journey uh, forever. We want to keep them kind of interested and excited with a whole bunch of um, small batch limited releases as well. So, no, thanks, thanks, Matt, for that comment. Yeah. Oh, mate, so um, I'm trying to think of where we were before that, Eric. Uh, Comment came in. We were talking about oh, the, the, oh, the culture, yeah, trade yeah, law, so, and so, how. Uh... So essentially, what we've done, we've dropped the um, dropped the umlaut, and we actually also, as well, to, to almost validate um, us dropping the umlaut, um, we introduced some, some southern hemisphere or some kiwi hops as well, and and that's what gives us, I suppose, our you know, almost IP, if you like, on on what makes four pints Kolsch a four pints Kolsch, and and not you know a traditional you know noble German hop. Kirsch, so to speak. So, yeah, that was, that was the end of that long-winded story. No, 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 no great. And 
We've actually been, as you've been telling that story, James and I have been sitting here drinking the Green Beacon Colch, which is a really, I, I rate them as uh, two of my favourite uh, just go-to beers, your Colch and the uh, Green Beacon Colch, because they're just beautifully balanced, so they have that nice little bit of malt body, they're not thin, they've got integrated hops without being over the top, and uh, you know, just sort of beautifully done. But mate, we, we have heard the kids uh, weighing in and out in the background, and it's, uh, you were talking about getting to the beach, so we might let you get on. Congratulations, two beers in the top 10 and a number of others in the uh, uh, top 100. I, I wasn't actually expecting to have uh, have those announced when you came on, but uh, you, you guys must be very wrapped and thank you for joining us on the uh, Hottest 100, the Gabs, I've got to get this right James, so I don't get yep. the, uh, sponsor, upset the sponsors. The, the nomenclature is crucial. It is the <laughs> Gabs Hottest 100 Aussie Craft Beers of 2015. Congratulations, Jaron Mitchell. No, thanks, uh, Matt, and thanks, James. And, um, yeah, mate, we're uh, absolutely wrapped. So uh, cheers for your time, and, and no doubt we'll uh, be having a beer shortly. And, See you, Jaron. Uh, and everyone should uh, get along and uh, visit your brew pub in Manly at the Four Pines. Yeah, mate, and also the, uh, the Brookvale Brewery is now also open on Fridays and Sundays. Um, we've got 21 taps there, two, uh, two of those are wine taps. Uh, one's our Brookvale Union and Brookvale Union... Uh, Union Cider and Ginger Beer, and then 17 uh, rotating beer taps that are, uh, you know, show, showcasing a big range of our Calador stuff, so, so get along there as well. Excellent, Jaron. Enjoy the rest of your Australia Day, and uh, congratulations on such great uh, results in the uh, poll. Yeah, cheers. Thanks again, guys. All the best. Bye for now. Bye. Oh, mate, I wasn't expecting to uh, be, be chatting with him for, so, for so long, but he certainly, uh, he, he's great value, Jaron. He's so very passionate. He's got that right sense of business, uh, you know, business acumen. Yeah, definitely. Always good for a quote, for sure. Definitely. Now, uh, I, I was just trying to, he mentioned Campari as the place that they get their cans done. Um, do you know what they're referring to there? Well, Campari is an Italian uh, spirits maker which has a significant presence in Australia making um, you know making a lot of ready to drink spirits I guess and and obviously they've got a canning line which which Four Pines um, accesses at the moment before they get their own canning line in. I'm just sort of looking at it. I was actually really surprised that their pale ale is still their biggest seller. Being in Brisbane and you're experiencing a, uh, a very humid Brisbane day here, we see the Kölsch um, being... I probably see the Kölsch much more often than I do see the pale ale. The pale ale has its followers, but it's just that lighter style beer, still substantive, but a little bit lighter than that really toffee-heavy uh, Four Pines pale ale. Being a Sydney boy, do you, do you think the climate and visiting Brisbane for the day, do you think the climate has an effect here? I reckon, based on what you've just said, maybe it does, because I don't think I see the Colch in Sydney quite as much as I see the Pale Ale. Um, I do also think that, and it, it's something that we touched on with Jaron, just the, the um, you know, Pale Ale is just such a recognisable varietal for people, and I really just think that a lot of people do tend to walk into a bar, and if they've got a style name that they recognise... That's absolutely crucial in, in getting them to, de, to decide to drink it and, and hopefully hopefully they like it. That's why it was interesting that you know, Kirsch has become a recognised style where 10 years ago when Red Hill was starting, they felt the need to call it the Golden Hour. And of course there is no 
um, recognised Golden Ale style, so it was a bit of a generic catch-all name, um, whereas Colch is a very tightly defined style. And uh, the, the, the Red Hill Golden Ale doesn't really fit into that Colch style for me. Um, and, and I mean, the Golden Ale as a genre is is a very, you know, it's a, it's a broad term, and yeah, I, I would agree, a Colch a is a bit of a different, different beast. Yeah, and... What are the big styles? Now, you, you're a Sydney boy. You live down near Darlinghurst um, from memory. Yep, yep. So uh, in, in that very uh, metrosexual, hipster sort of part of Sydney. Sorry to any Sydney viewers uh, or <laughs> listeners. Um, what, what, what are the great pubs in your neck of the woods? Yeah, what are, what's within walking distance of your place? Um, there's a few, a few different venues. I mean, the, the three that I would say that I, I get to the most, uh, bit of few is 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 literally, uh, you know, it, it's it's just a walk across the road from from my house, and the uh, the lovely people that run that venue have become good friends of mine, and I spend, to be honest, way more time than I should at bit of few. Um, so that's a great venue that really. Uh, Pushes more challenging styles of beer. They like their, you know, they like their high ABV, uh, more experimental styles. Um, and then a little bit further afield is um, is the Tap House, the the stalwart, which which um, you know I, I still get to fairly often. Got a great rooftop space, which is one of definitely one of the hottest places to well, hottest as in hottest 100 rather than temperature um, places to to hang out in Sydney um, during summer. And then also, um, and this is in no particular order, the Royal Albert is definitely one of my favourite places as well. It's another place that I would say I spend way too much time at. And, um, yeah, that's just a fantastic pub that really pushes good, good beer. Now, just while you keep chatting, because I've just had a text from uh, Ross Jurisic from Stone and Wood, and I'd uh, lined him up for uh, 405, but I think he might be south of the border. So you have a chat. I will get him on the line. He just texted me asking whether we were still on. So he might be sitting there waiting for us to call. So, uh, yeah, look. The, the, oh, sorry, no, no, it's in an hour. He's not expecting it for an hour. He was just uh, checking that. But if anyone um, is listening, in the, uh, let me see. We've had a tech a tweet from the grain store Corey Crooks down in the staunchly uh, independent Corey Crooks I might I might add look, I'm never short of an opinion which which we love and what? he's um, certainly come out firing uh, one of my favorite publicans absolutely yeah, passionate absolutely the day that uh, Mountain Goat announced their sale he dropped them from his uh, tap list um, maybe you can tell us what his tweet was uh, yeah, Corey, well, we're assuming it's Corey. It's the grain store bar. It could be um, an equally opinionated employee, but I'd say it's probably Corey. He says, well, looks like the Gabs Festival Hottest 100 Beers has turned into the Lion Nathan staff questionnaire. Hashtag, what a shame. Brutal. Mate, that's a little bit, I, I, might, uh, I, I might even see if I can get Corey on the line. Um, yeah. I, I, I don't know. You, you, you chat. I will uh, just quickly... Sorry, oh. listeners, this is, this is live podcasting, but... Uh, I'll just go to my phone and get Corey's number. Well, yeah, that'd be fantastic if we could get Corey on the line. Um, I, I don't know. I think that uh, the point that the poll is at now is that it's it's really it's really growing, and and obviously the uh, the Gabs guys, the local tap house guys, have you know they're trying to take it to the next level, and and obviously that that is going to as as um, Steve has said 
broaden the base, broaden the voter base a bit, but I'd, I'd kind of suggest that's a little bit harsh because we have already talked about, um, you know, some of the breweries that have made it in this year that are by no means. Um, Just a second, we've got, oh, we've got Corey on the line now. Corey Crooks. Yes, thank you. Corey Crooks, Matt Kierkegaard. Sorry? It's Matt Kierkegaard speaking. How are you? Hey. How are you, mate? Not too bad, mate. Now, I need to let you know that you're live on uh, Radio Brews News, live uh, Gab's Hottest 100 podcast. Um, mate, do, do you mind having a bit of a chat to us quickly? I'll do my best. Okay. Now, we've but... just we, we've just seen a, twi- a tweet come through um, that comes from the Grain Store Bar, and I believe that might have been you. Could have been. Possibly. <laughs> Now, okay, now this says, well, it looks like the Gabs Festival H100 has turned into the Lion Nathan Staff questionnaire. Hashtag, what a shame. Was that, did that come from your fingertips? It did. Mate, talk us through that. Talk us through that feeling. I uh, look, I haven't gone through and counted them, but there's a hell of a, uh, hell of a lot of Lion Nathan beers. You know, my stance on ownership and independent and where it stands I just personally I don't think it, we I don't think they should be eligible to be in the list and when they're taking up almost a quarter of it I think it's a shame I think I think it should be more about celebrating independent ownership than um, the big duopoly well mate we, we've been having a, a, a chat and James actually weighed in and said that you're probably one of the, uh, the, the fiercest champions of Australian craft breweries that there is uh, amongst publicans, so uh, we love that stance. But do do you think that there really is a quarter of the uh, hottest 100 taken up by foreign-owned breweries? I haven't gone through that busy selling good independent beer. I haven't had a chance to actually go through and count them, but um, I've been writing them on the list as they're revealed, and I know I've um, I've written one of their beer, like one of those foreign-owned beers, quite a few times. So. Unfortunately, Mountain Goat falls into that category now as well. So, wait. So, sorry, James. You, you oh, I was just going to say that um, as a journalist, my maths is terrible, but I'm I'm quickly doing some calculations um, here. Um, I'm up to eight Lion Nathan beers and counting. So maybe if Matt keeps talking to you, I'll keep doing my additions. Well, actually, funnily enough, um, I tell you what. Anyone would think that we planned this, we absolutely haven't. Number six, James Squire, 150 Lashes Pale Ale. Uh, Corey, do you have uh, any... Awesome. I'm going to enjoy writing that up, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> Mate, what, what, how, how are you celebrating at the uh, grain store today? Uh, look, we're, we've got uh, a very good crowd and have done since we, we opened the doors at 11.30. We've uh, tweaked our menu around with a few Stan Kekovich cutlets. We do our Map of Australia, Vegemite and Cheese Pizza. Uh, obviously, with a little bit of a tweak to the uh, Hottest 100 beers this year, we went privy to the list. So we've um, we've done our, our star top 21, uh, but also with a relevance on style as well. So both a lot of our staff and tend to go towards the hoppier styles. We didn't want 21 pails and IPAs on, so we've. Um, also made sure that it stays on and, and uh, you know, hats and those sort of things are the highest rated as well. So, um, and, you know, not by calculations or it's turned out that we've got every state uh, represented as well, which is 
which is pretty cool. I'm sure that probably wouldn't have happened a few years back. Mate, so you, uh, are you willing to weigh in? We've just seen number six uh, published. Do you have any, are you willing to weigh in on what you think is your, uh, yeah, maybe your top three? Any, any predictions? Yeah, what, what's number six? Was that Squires, was it? That's the James Squires, 150 Lashes part. Yeah, look, oh, look, I think... Um, yeah, look, I think Pacific Ale and Hop um, Hog, I think they, they might be reversed this year. I think ah. Pacific Ale might... Go back to number one. I think Hop Hog at two. I think the Smokey that'll be in there will be um, Pirate Life Double uh, IPA. Funnily enough, we've just had Xenon 2000 in the chat room say on the. Uh, we, sorry, we had Shane Jasprizza, who's uh, hopefully I'm pronouncing that correct, uh, who seems to be very much one of your camp. Someone just said the base has been broadened this year. I think it's been dumbed down with some of the beers rating highly. 150 Lashes, for example. Hardly a beer nerd's favourite. And then uh, Xenon 2000 weighed in with, on the plus side, we haven't seen Pirate Life Pale or IPA yet, have we? May still be some credibility left. Any comments? Yeah, look, I thought so. I think, I think that'll be number three this year. I would, uh, previous has been Four Pines Pale or Creatures Pale. So Creatures Pale, obviously, we haven't seen yet. It's going to be top five. Um... Yeah, look, a couple of surprises, I suppose, for me. Like Beachy Pale, was, um, I, I probably could... If I walk down to where I can see the list, you probably won't hear me, but um, what was it, about 18 or something like that? Uh, Beachy Pale... No, that was Cooper's. Um, further than that. Yeah, Beachy Pale's at a little bit further down. No, no, 15, 15. 15. Yeah. Oh, no, there we go. Yeah, Beachwood Pale, oh, a great bit. A great bit. Yeah, so... Um, couple of, you know, I was looking, thinking back to last year, I suppose there's a couple that were in the top 10 we haven't seen at all yet as well, so you know, there's not that many spots to go, but um, we're going to yeah, hope, hope I would uh, I don't know, obviously I'm, I'm guessing like everyone, but um, I uh, for some reason have a feeling that Civic Hour might go back to one, I think Hop Hog at two and Fire at five um, at three Temptress was a surprise to me, but I think that's probably a bit of a a, um, a result of them sort of taking out of the core range. It was a beer that we poured most of the time here, but I think it's been nine months since uh, we've had it on our tap, so uh, that's probably a direct result of some, you know the, the availability of the beer. And, and while you've been talking, Corey, it's it's uh, 12 beers that I've got from the Lion Stable, being James Squire, Little Creatures, and um, White Rabbit. <laughs> And counting, so not twenty. There you go. Twelve. No, no, not, not yeah, no, your, no but I'm, I'm talking for an own. Mountain defense. goat, yeah. Fat Yeah, you're in the ballpark. Yeah, I know, pretty close. Been pretty busy too. I've had time to count. Um, <laughs> just on that, on that um, pirate life double IPA. Is that a beer that you guys have had on tap there at the grain store, and that you've you've seen um, a lot of a lot of uh, interest in from your punters? Yeah, certainly. There's a bit of a fair bit. Of, Anticipation, I suppose, with the way the, the boys launched, and we were we were uh, the last state here in New South Wales to to be able to, to get some kegs. So um, yeah, it was, it was certainly well uh, highly anticipated, and yeah, I think the one that sort of lived up to the hype, I suppose, that it's uh, it's a very a very well balanced uh, example of the style. Right. 
Thank you very much for joining us. We'll, we'll let you go and get back to uh, serving the punters at the uh, grain store. But we, we'll need to get you on Radio Brews News again, have a bit more of a chat uh, maybe in the wash-up uh, with Pete and I. Uh, yeah, you can twist my arm for a chat, Matt. Good on you, Corey, mate. Great, great to chat. Good on you, boys. Thank you for taking Happy Australia Day. Enjoy the... See you, Cheers, guys. Bye. Bye for now. Um, great discussion going on in the chat room. Uh, Pop Geek, uh, I totally agree with Shane. This is disappointing. Shane uh, comes back reading like a dance specials list. Uh, Matt Beggs, who uh, we put the question from Twitter to uh, Jaron before... If you couldn't have seen that a James Squire beer in the top 10 with the push of voting through Dan Murphy's, it was always going to happen. There's a vast section of the beer community who are going to be drinking James Squire slash Fat Yak, and that's all they're going to vote for. And and that's the thing, this is a great discussion. Um, I I guess, for me, James, uh, James Atkinson, the question is, do we want to turn craft beer into a walled ghetto where it's only for the beer geeks who... um, you know, want to have... No, that that, that, that um, ringing is actually coming from uh, elsewhere in the brewery. It's not coming through our equipment. Um, do we want to turn craft beer into a... Uh, like a, a walled ghetto where it's only for the insiders? And uh, if, if anyone's interested, jump on the Australian Brews News Facebook page because I shared a really interesting article from the wine industry. Um, where one of the, the young bucks of the, of the wine industry was saying, you know, wine is changing. Sure, if you want to care about, you know, cellaring uh, dates and varieties and regions and go and, you know, talk about acidity and pH and all of that sort of stuff, that's fantastic. But don't think that your judgment on wine is any better than anybody else's. Coming back to everyone gets to enjoy wine if they want to enjoy wine. And, and then... To, to me, that's a little bit what beer should be. I've got a really fierce independent streak when it comes to um, supporting independent Australian craft breweries. But at the same time, putting on my beer educator hat, as somebody who goes out and does tastings very, very widely, you could pull out the most uh, extraordinary beers um, and people just won't get into it. Um, actually, we've had Steve Jeffers um, from both uh, the, the local tap house, which used to run the uh, competition, or the, the, the vote, um, right through to um, Gabs, which uh, runs it now. Steve uh, has weighed in and said, James Squire were high on the list before Dan's did a single Facebook promotion on the poll. Um, and uh, that, he makes a good point. Look, I, I, what, what do you reckon, James? I, I, I think it's a good thing that the poll is getting a wider distribution through somebody like uh, Dan Murphy's. Um, we are going to get a much wider footprint, which I think makes the inclusion of independent craft beers even more important than if it's a if it's in the walled garden of only beer aficionados. Yeah, and I kind of think we're going to have to wait until we see what the poll, you know, how the poll finishes, because maybe you could make a make the case that it has been a negative thing if. For example, the top 10 beers are totally dominated by um, the big corporate players, as it were. We haven't reached that that point yet. Um, I mean, there's also some notable emissions so far. Um, Matt, what would you say has been the most high-profile craft uh, beer launch that would be eligible for the Hottest 100 last year? 
because um, I would suggest that it's probably Lazy Yak, the expansion of the Fat Yak franchise, and I haven't seen that. That, that hasn't been in a list thus far. It could still be in the top well, five. It could still be. We're, we're coming yeah, yeah. up to. In fact, uh, we no, we're not quite ready for the uh, number five. Or yes, yes, it should be. Yeah, no, the number five. Let's just refresh the monitor. Um, so number five is bum, bum, bum. little creatures pile up. So well, Corey, thirteen beers, Corey. You, you, you're yeah. getting closer to your target of uh, of twenty. Sorry. Maybe if there's four more, you'll you'll have seventeen. Well, I don't think you will be. <laughs> but, but look, you know, beer geeks. Um, you know, people in the chat room. Actually, Steve Cotty has just weighed in and said if it's the top one hundred of Caps uh, Australian craft beer. Uh, the brewery needs to be Australian-owned. Simple. I have some sympathy for that, um, but again, in the marketplace, independent craft beers are battling little creatures pile up, um, and I think that you make it irrelevant if you have, if, if you exclude Fat Yak, if you exclude James Squire, if you exclude little creatures from the brand because you're not really getting an idea of how much penetration and mind share the small independents are getting. So yes, whilst I, I very much, and Steve, I, I, Steve and Cotty, I'm not sure if you're a regular listener to Radio Brews News, but Pete and I uh, discuss this probably ad, ad, ad infinitum, um, or ad nauseum, um, where our view about beer is that any beer that you enjoy is a good beer. And that's the first principle. My personal choice is when I spend my money on buying a beer, I choose to support, by and large, small independent craft beers because that fosters the diversity of the craft beer market. That ensures that in five, six, seven, 10, 15 years, there is going to be a viable market for small independent craft um, beers if enough people feel the same way. But at the same time, I take nothing away from the beer like Little Creatures Pale Ale, which um, I, I think it and Stonewood Pacific Ale are the two most influential beers in Australia as long as I can remember. In, 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 I'm 46, 46, 47, 46, um, sorry, forget. Um, and I think Little Creatures Pale Ale and Stonewood Pacific Ale are the two most influential beers during that period, and you can take nothing away from it. Do you think that maybe in a, in a five or ten years' time you'll be able to say that something like a forex uh, gold pale ale might be the most might have been the most influential? No, look, forex gold pale ale doesn't seem to have resonated with people. And is that right? Yeah, no, it, it doesn't. It, it's a mid-strength pale ale, and then we've got the Tui's Brothers um, pale ale. I, I don't know how that's going. You don't see it on tap too much around here. Um, and it really hasn't resonated. It's, it's a New South Wales proposition, the two East thing. I mean, they really aren't pushing it outside of New South Wales, I don't think. But then I don't, I don't see it around too much around the bar, you know, in the bars that I frequent. Yeah, and it, it's interesting. Up, up here, the, the feedback I get is, you know, what is it? People don't really understand what it is. And initially, it was cloudy, where they had the brewers, not the brewers' clerics, they had the uh, bio cloud in to give it that craft beer cloudiness and brewers, uh, beer drinkers complained they couldn't work out why it was cloudy and I guess that's the, the problem. It was a beer that had a little bit more of an ale character to regular Porex Gold. It was cloudy and 
the, the people that drink it, the people that know and trust and love the Forex brand, just aren't ever going to, to resonate with it. So I think whether it survives, I don't know. But I think you know, Line are going to find that their James Squire brand will do much better than their Forex brand when you start playing in that space. Same as Crown Lager brought out the, the Crown Golden Ale, which doesn't really seem to have done much. It commands a premium price in the bottle shops, but doesn't seem to be uh, selling too well. I'll just uh, jump in. Um, let me see. Change that Pirate Life, Pirate Life, Pirate Life Pale Ale. Oh, Mick Newman's come in. Uh, Matt Beggs, is it time to put a limit on how long a beer can be in the poll or run two polls, the hottest 100 and then a smaller list of beers released that year? Great question, uh, Matt. Now, I don't think that they're going to do that, but they are going to segment it a little bit. Um, if you go back to Radio Brews News earlier episode where we speak to Steve Jeffers about it, he gives a really good um, answer to that. Um, Shane weighs in again, Lazy Yak FTW. For the win, it's good oh, to see Shane. Good to, <laughs> good to see Shane going into bat for uh, Lazy Yak there. Is he going into bat, or is that uh, laden with irony? I think I think it was hashtag sarcasm from <laughs> Shane there, Matt. Yeah. No, look, I'd, I we'll see. Steve, oh, it's great, great. Steve uh, Jeff is uh, listening in. The H100 has always been about allowing people to vote for their five favourite Aussie craft beers of the year, leaving out James Guy, Little Creatures. Mountain Goat, Yender, etc. doesn't encourage people new to flavours and beer to be craft beer converts. It makes them feel excluded. That said, it does raise a tiresome discussion about what Steve Jeffers, I could not have put it better. And unfortunately, I don't think it should be a tiresome discussion about what constitutes craft beer. I think we need to stop calling it craft beer is my answer. Um, I think so, Matt. Surely there have been a heap of brilliant new beers since Hop Hog Pacific Ale. Um, again, Steve, if you're listening or if you're just watching the discussion, we might even, um, James, you just take over for a second. I'm going to call Steve again. Um, and, Sounds uh, like he wants to make a, make a, few, a few points. Probably yeah. got, a, got, um, got some views on, on some, of the, some of the comments, some of the inevitable comments that are out there uh, about the nature of the poll this year, which, is, which, which probably has changed a bit on previous years. Um, Another point that I would make as well is that um, we've seen Yender make its debut this year, but Matt, there's no, no Cricketers Arms this no year, which is arm, no. so far, which is one of the, um, another Asahi brand, which they've, they've been pushing quite a bit in addition to um, having acquired Mountain Goat and having, having that to, uh, to, to push alongside Cricketers Arms. Mate, do, do you see Cricketers Arms anywhere? Look, there's a lot of, bill, I don't know if you've seen the billboard advertising up here. Um, there's a lot of advertising for it, but it just doesn't really seem to... The, I'm the seeing it a little bit. I'm it. seeing it a little bit, yeah. But, the, but, you know, like, really, I'm not, you know, I, you know I'm a creature of habit. I, I mentioned to you before that I go to three venues with, with um, a lot of regularity. Uh, but I'm sorry to say that I don't get out to, um, you know, to see what else is out there. Yeah, but look, that's the thing. I seem to see it in venues that have the... Uh, hold on, Steve just told us... Oh, sorry, I missed that. Steve's uh, asked us to call after one, after number one. No worries, Steve. We'll, uh, we will get you back um, to further this discussion. Steve's obviously listening in. To Australia's number one hottest 100 craft beer countdown pod Gabs hottest yeah. 100 <laughs> Aussie craft beers of 2015 podcast. Um, get hopped! <laughs> Big smile symbol from uh, Steve Jeffers. 
Thanks, Steve. Sorry about that. Oh, actually, breaking news. Number four has just been announced. And it is Pirate Life Brewing uh, with the Pale Ale. So congratulations to Pirate Life. That's their second entry in the charts this year. And, I mean, even... I mean, that in itself is an incredible result for them because they actually... They got their first beer on the market on the 1st of March last year in South Australia. So they're, they're not even a year old. No, and I'll just get you to keep chatting because we might even get uh, Michael Cameron on the phone. So I just need to need you to have a bit of a chat. Part of life, we, we've done a podcast with them, Michael Cameron and the boys doing some really good beers. Uh, they had a bit of a production problem recently, I understand. I haven't heard anything about that, Matt, so uh, I can't I speak. There was a media release that came out from their distributor up here. They were having some canning line issues, so we might even be able to speak to them. Oh, Michael okay. But that's interesting. I mean, one of the elements with Pirate Life, and it is quite a spectacular poll for them so far, having had two beers in in the top 11. I mean, they've, they've just got such... Everyone's going to say that it's about the quality of the beers that's, um, that's got them to that point, and, and it is. They're, they're great quality beers, but I also do think that they really got the branding side of things right and that, um, you know, the the cans that their beers are out in uh, just incredibly eye-catching and they seem to the thing that surprises me about the uh, about pirate life is and we've spent a lot of the show with me talking about my love of balance and things they really are very hop forward beers that i describe them as being if you look at balance being everything in equal um measure or yeah everything in sort of equal weighting in french beer um, their beers are hop forward. The, the the bitterness is assertive. The resin character, that sort of uh, you know, not quite astringency because they, they don't put that astringency in the beer. But you've got that resin character. You've got the big pungent tropical fruit. The malt is there. It's not a thin beer, but it's uh, it's there. But they are you know into that sort of hop forward, hop aggressive. Uh, not quite balanced beers, um, and uh, they, they, they've, got, they've got a brand that appeals to beer geeks. They've got a name, and they've got beers that uh, um, uh, appeal to beer geeks. But to crack the top ten, you seem to need to have a little bit more. So they are a little bit um, of an outsider in, in, in that sense because their beers do step out of that beautiful balance. And uh, you know, for, for a lot of the guys that are in the um, chat room uh it will be lending a lot of credibility uh hallelujah chat room if uh, if, if, I'm, if i'm right uh, yeah but i mean the two beers that are in there um thus far we've got the pale ale and the the throwback ipa which is um it's uh, a session ipa so we haven't haven't seen uh the double ipa that that everyone's been tipping to do well just yet well, we've got four more beers, so you're, you're tipping it to uh, to come in. Um, look, based on the amount of on the amount of hype that I've seen from people on Facebook on the different on the different uh, you know the different craft beer groups, I'd say yeah, we'll we will see it come up. That's right, Michael Cameron, Matt Kirkegaard from Radio Brews News. You're live <laughs> on air. How are you, mate? I'm good, mate. Yourself? Not too bad. Not too bad. So I'm, I'm glad we got you, uh, mate. We've just seen the results come through, and uh, 
number four, the Pirate Life Brewing Pale Ale. You must be very happy with that result in the uh, Gabs Festival Hottest 100 craft beer, Aussie Craft Beers of 2015. Mate, the, uh, we're having a bit of a gathering at the Gilbert Street Hotel in Adelaide and there's about 40 of us and uh, we're having a bit of a celebratory drink at the moment, so it's terrific. And it was, it was great to have Thrive come in at number 11 as well, so uh, and it's, uh, it's been a, a good day. James and I were just talking about that while we were trying to get you uh, on air, and uh, I described it. There's been a lot of discussion in our uh, chat room about uh, some of the you know, lion-owned beers and some of the more approachable beers doing very well as the uh, Gabs Festival has broadened the voting base to include Dan Murphy's. You guys really go quite adventurous and quite hot forward in all of your beers. Are, are you surprised you've featured so highly? Uh, no, not not really because I, I one one thing we do is we, we we try having having have the you know living in America experience and also the brewdog experience. Um, the three of us had a, have a great enjoyment for high flavoured hoppy beers, and part of the, the process when we started was we just make beers we liked and and we just hoped that uh, other people around Australia liked them as well, and that's. Uh, and I think, you know, we've, uh, well, oh, I think we've been really lucky that people have gone on board and enjoyed not enjoyed the beers and enjoyed the brand. So uh, not, not over surprised because I think it's just a follow on from, um, you know, the great hoppiness of uh, West, West Coast American beers. So I think it's going okay. Yeah, Michael James Atkinson here. Uh, good to chat. Hey, James. Um, uh, you know, given the amount of time that, uh, that you guys have spent in the US, are there any particular breweries that, that that you and and Jack were big fans of in the US. Obviously, Jack and Red um, have the background with Brewdog in, in the U, in the UK. But I was just wondering whether there are any US any, any US brands. Um, obviously, Stone. Uh, they did all of uh, in California. They, they did all the distribution for not only Coopers but also Brewdog. So I got to know the Stone guys uh, really well. Um, Thanks, Sierra Nevada. Sierra Nevada has been terrific. But I also we you know we're really happy to get in, get the ability to taste uh, all the you know Cigar City. I go back to the guys at Cigar City. I rocked in there one day and uh, and we just sat down for four or five hours and drank some great beers. That was the that was the my turning moment. There's a moment in um, in my life that said, hey, this craft beer industry is something that's really worth having a crack at. It was uh, those three or four years in America where you could sit down you know, with it, with an alligator or three Floyds, or <coughs> or it might have been Lagunitas. Um, they're all, all great, all great breweries making great products. Michael, we've spoken to you on uh, Radio Brews before, and it was one of our uh, highest-rated episodes of uh, 2015. So you've really resonated with uh, the, the beer-drinking public. If someone's listening there, do you have a personal philosophy about you know definitions of craft beer? Does craft beer mean anything these days, or does a, an individual brewery's brand say much more than definitions of independence or craft beer? Yeah. Mate, I, I had to say this, but could you repeat the question? It's just got a bit noisy. Oh, sorry. Sorry, we've, we've got a crowd building here um, at uh, Green Beacon. <laughs> Mate, we, we recorded a podcast with you last year um, in 2015. It was one of our best uh, listened to uh, podcasts. Um, but you guys have really established a brand very, very quickly, uh, and you've gotten out there. But do you think that definitions of craft or definitions of independent or traditional 
matter or is it just the individual brand presence of any particular brewery that really resonates with beer drinkers or does that matter not, not at all and it's just the quality of the beer? Um, number one, it's the quality of the, the product in the can or bottle. Uh, but I think the fact that we, particularly in the craft beer world, we're such a small percentage of craft beer drinking in Australia and there is, there is an opportunity for that to grow. And it's, uh, again, I go back to my time in America. When I was working there, it was a, you know, 6% of the, the overall market. It's now 17. And that's in eight years, it's, it's grown dramatically. And I think from our point of view here, it's more about people being passionate about what they do, making the best beer they possibly can, uh, and just telling a, a really simple, honest, humble story. Uh, a couple of questions from our chat room. Uh, Get Hopped says, I've heard Pirate Life are working on some barrel-aged beers. Any truth in that rumour? Uh, yeah, we've got uh, we have two beers in barrel at the moment. Uh, the first one, uh, we've, we've partnered up with a mate of ours up in the Barossa Valley, uh, Ben Chipman at Tom Fulry. Uh, so he sent down some Tempranillo barrels and we whacked in a uh, Cerveza Negra, a black Spanish lager. Uh, that's, been, uh, that's been on barrel now for about nearly four months. Uh, and we're hoping if we can get our act together to, to bottle that in the next couple of weeks. Uh, and the boys uh, made, uh, Ben was down about three weeks ago and made a Saison, and uh, we've whacked in, that into uh, his Grenache barrels. Uh, so they're both, uh, they're both on barrel at the moment. And then uh, uh, in probably about uh, six weeks when he's finished uh, uh, bottling out some of his uh, Shiraz, then uh, we're going to make a... You know, I think the boys are still working out at maybe a 12 to 14% stout and we'll put that into each Shiraz barrel. So there are a couple of interesting things that we'll do and we'll bottle those. Uh, uh, obviously, we don't have the volume to put in cans, so we'll, uh, we'll bottle those into the um, sort of 750 mil bottles and uh, get them out to the market to, as soon as we can. Mate, we called you, before we get to the uh, next couple of questions, we called you because you're the number four beer with Pirate Life Brewing Pale Ale. Um, we've just seen the number three come through, and you guys are number three as well. The uh, double IPA has uh, come through oh, as well. the third best beer in the Gab's Hottest 100 Aussie Craft Beers of 2015. Congratulations. <laughs> Mate, thank you. Yeah, I've, I'm obviously talking to you guys on the phone. I've, I've missed that uh, coming through, but uh, it, it's exciting. It's exciting for the boys. It's exciting for the brand, and, and uh, it, what a great event. You know, all around Australia, you've got a whole pile of people sitting having a beer, you know, whether it's in Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, it's, uh, it's you know, very pleasing to have 11, 3 and 4 in our first year, but more importantly, what a, what a sensational event, and I think, uh, you know, it's going to continue to, you know, grow in momentum from year to year. Yeah, James again. Mick, um, congratulations. I mean, that's, that's an incredible result to get such a, um, a big, bold beer uh, that high in the charts. Yeah, it's, um, well, I suppose I, uh, one of the things I was thinking about this and talking to Red and Jack before, you know, again, we, we spent a lot of time drinking Pliny the Elder. We spent a lot of time drinking uh, Brewdog Hardcore. Uh, and, and those top similar beers are our real love, uh, is, uh, is the, the, the high ID, the, the big powerful beers. And uh, as soon as I get off the home, I can guarantee I'm going you know, to shoot down to the Gilbert Street and have a couple of quiet pints of it just to really enjoy it. But it's, it's, I think it's just a, a, an education. It's a process that's going on that people are starting to understand, you know, what you can do with high ABV beers and flavour and those sort of things. So I think it's, I think it's absolutely exciting. It's, it's quite interesting that when, when uh, Pirate Life launched, you, you, you've obviously gone with the, the Session and the Pale Ale. 
and the and the double IPA, but you don't have a you know a standard IPA in your range. What was the thinking there? Um, at the time, we wanted we, we really loved to, we wanted to make a, a big beer, so that was our first thing. But we've, uh, we're in the process. Uh, we're going to launch an IPA uh, at our first birthday uh, in early March. So that will give us a um, you know 3.5% session, a 5.4% pale a 6.8% IPA and an 8.8% double IPA. So I think that'll fill out our range pretty well. Yeah, and you're obviously not mucking around there. 6.8% uh, is kind of in the upper echelons. Yeah, I think that's where the boys like to make a beer. So I think they, uh, we, we, we sit down. I don't have a lot to do with it. I have a little bit of a say. When the boys sit down and talk, they, uh, they think that that's uh, you know, 6.8, 6.9 is about where they want to make it. Uh, so um, they, uh, you know... They're the guys that run the brewery, so I'll, uh, I'll more than happily uh, let them do their job. Absolutely. And, um, you know, the, the thing I'm interested to ask you as well, Michael, is that there is a lot of talk among beer fans uh, just about how much your, your brand resonates with people. What was the sort of, you know, when, when you actually, um, when, when the brewery was in planning, what, what was the, um, the process that you went through in, in terms of settling on that particular Pirate Life branding, the cans, the recipe around the label? Um, tell us about that. Um, most of it was the three of us sitting around having a beer talking about things. But if you, if you go back, I, I think there are three, probably four key things we did. And number one was moving to Adelaide. Um, obviously, we could have opened the brewery in Perth, but we were really conscious about being a... Um, uh, trying to achieve being a production brewery and we thought Adelaide was the, the right place to be uh, and not only has it been terrific from a brewery point of view but it's been a fantastic place to live um, the boys have settled in well there's a great you know, craft beer scene I think the whole craft brewery situation is really developing in Adelaide uh, so I think that was number one number two was putting the beer in cans and that was a one minute meeting we had one day we sat down Having a couple of beers, okay, boys, what are we doing? Uh, yeah, we're putting beer in cans. Uh, and number, um, and doing that, engaging in with a, a young girl in Melbourne, uh, Lauren Bonkowski, to do our marketing work and develop the, the structure of the cans and the design was fantastic. And putting the recipe around the cans was just another sitting down having a beer one day. And uh, we said, why don't we put this timeline around the top of the cans and be open with people about, uh, you know, our recipe, the brewing process and... And strangely enough, it's, it's, I think it's really resonated, uh, resonated with people. And the other thing we did, we've, we've done, uh, I think we worked out, we did about 140 events before, um, before Christmas. So in 10, you know, in 10 months, there's been you know, around Australia. So we, we're very conscious about getting our beer out and getting people to taste it, uh, understand our brand, and I think that's really helped as well. Yeah, and on the um, on the online Facebook forums that that I read, where people are talking about uh, pirate life, um, as I said earlier, there's been a tremendous amount of hype in the lead up to to the poll about how the pirate life beers would do. People are often asking where they can find the beers. Um, maybe you could just tell us where the beers are currently available, and also what the roadmap is for you guys, because I would imagine that you're going to get some knocks on the door now saying we need to have pirate life. Uh, at our venue or, or at our bottle shop or in our chain? What's your sort of thinking on how you'll grow the brand and how you'll, you'll grow distribution? Uh, I think, uh, again, and, and I had, going back to harping on what I learned in America, is, is in developing a craft beer brand, it's getting out and, and getting to the core guy that actually loves craft beer. So that was our initial philosophy, is to, to make sure that the craft beer pubs, bottle shops around Australia 
uh, and, and just stood our business and, uh, and partnered with us as we, we grow. And I, I, I think we're still going through that process. Um, I, don't, uh, I don't see, you know, any real rush to move into the, um, the major chains. Uh, we, first of all, we don't have the volume to do that. Uh, and I've, you know, we've, I've had those discussions. So over the next um, 12 months, it's really about continuing to make gear, launching, you know, the IPA, launching, uh, doing the work with the, uh, the guys from Tom Foolery. Uh, we're bringing out our cans for the uh, <coughs> Golden Era Gold Nile with the, uh, the, the Hilltop Hoods group in March. Uh, we'll, we'll knock out a stout sometime, probably May, April, and uh, Red's pretty keen to bring, bring his big 7.1% uh, Imperial Red out later in the year. So I think it's really about continuing to making the beer the boys love. Um, and trying to continue support, you know, continue to support the, uh, the, the, the the pubs and the bottle shops that really support craft beer. So I suppose that's our philosophy: is just keep dealing with the people that love craft beer. Mate, look, there's not much else to say, but it, it really is uh, pirate life with a bullet this year. How important do you think, or do, do you think there is any relevance to uh, polls like this, uh, you know, on the annual beer calendar? Uh, sorry, I missed that. Sorry, Michael. Um, congratulations, you've uh, hit the top uh, ten with a bullet. Um, but do you think that votes like this or polls like this have any relevance in the marketplace, or is it just something for uh, you know beer geeks uh, like us or people who enjoy beer like us to uh, you know to occupy a day with? No, I, I think it has a real relevance because it's it's the people's vote, uh, and it doesn't matter whether they're beer geeks or people who are just learning about beer or people that have a real passion and, 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 and part of the ownership of the craft beer world. I reckon it's, uh, it's probably one of the most important things in Australia as uh, craft because people are talking about it all over the country. You, you, you look online and, uh, and they've, they've been talking about it for three or four months. So my, uh, my humble thoughts would be it's a, it's a, it's a very important component of the uh, industry in Australia. Okay, Michael, well, we might uh, let you go and celebrate your uh, uh, two top five uh, finishes. And uh, we're just coming up to number two, which, what do you reckon, James? The, the, the chat room seems to be saying that when we know number two, we also know number one. Oh, we do Breaking know. news. There we go for Breaking news. So, Michael, thank you very much for joining us, and hopefully we'll get to have a beer with you uh, again soon. Okay, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Bye. Bye. See you, Michael. And just when we've been talking to Michael, uh, Feral Brewing Company Hop Hog IPA has come in at number two. Now I don't know what's going on here. I've got a I've got a timetable, and I, I accuse Crafty of uh, going a little bit early, but it's uh, they, they seem to be going a few minutes before the hour. So Shane uh, Jasprizza, who uh, has been saying and uh, get hopped in the chat room, said Feral. Let Let's see if we can get. Uh, Brennan Varus on the phone and find out a bit of a... Well, actually, James, is it an upset? Well, I mean, Feral Brewing Hop Hog has had uh, number one place for the last three years in a row, I, I, I believe. It has. Um, so, and I think that in all, those, in all those polls, you can correct me, or Steve can correct me if I'm wrong, but I, but I think that Stone and Wood's been the bridesmaid for the last three years. Stonewood won. Uh, it won the, the previous year, the, yeah. one, the previous two years, I believe. Yep. Um, 
So obviously people are going to be speculating now that Stonerwood Pacific Ale is going to have to um, going to have to be number one spot, but we'll oh, see. Uh, unless there is a massive backlash against it. It could be la lazy act. Uh, no, we were just about to get Steve uh, Brennan Burris. Let's see if I might just warn him that he's on air before we. Uh... Hello, Brennan Burris, Matt Kirky. Hey, Kirky. Good day. How are you, mate? Welcome to uh, Radio Brews News. You're live on air. Mate, we've just seen, uh, I, I don't know what I'd exactly call it an upset, but Feral Brewing drops to number two. Drops to number two. Oh, it's still pretty exciting stuff for us over here. Mate, it must have been uh, you're dumbing down that hop regime. You reckon that's what it is? Oh. <laughs> I take, take, take a leaf out of the Pirate Life Boys book and fire it up a little bit for next year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate, it, it must be, you know, like... It, 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 it's still a massive achievement, uh, having been uh, what in the top two for the last five or six years. Yeah, look, I, I think back even for as long as the poll's been going, I remember I think we were in the top three or four for most of the years by the first year, and for a lot of those years we were a keg beer only product, and we might have been making you know ten kegs a week for a lot of it, and we were, we were always kind of sitting in that top five. So. We've walked amongst giants for quite a while, and I guess the my, my guess is that the the beef of Pacific Ale is probably just a bit too giant this year. But equally, um, we've been talking earlier, Brendan, it's James Atkinson here. Uh, we've been talking hey, earlier with uh, Corey Crooks from the Grain Store, uh, who was having a bit of a bit of a rant about um, the the number of different lion brands that there are uh, in the poll this year: Little Creatures, White Rabbit, James Squire. Uh, I believe there are 14 Lion brands in there and none of them has been big enough to to unseat you so far from the top two. We don't know about number one spot yet, but um, no. what do you think about that? Uh, look, the Lion thing, we can, we can kick that around ad infinitum and everyone's going to have a different view and typically people have got their, got their hooks in the ground and don't listen to the other. I don't think there's going to be any resolution on where you draw lines on what beers are in and what beers are out. It's probably just something that can get talked about on social media or wherever people like spending their time talking about. It's not not one that I really think about. But I was looking at the just looking at the list um, a few minutes ago and looking through it. I said, "Geez, it's a pretty special list." And I was thinking, "Which set of ten? If I had to go and grab a set of set of ten, which set would I go for?" And I tell you what, looking at 41 to 50 kind of the, the fulcrum, if you like, of the of the hottest 100, which is kind of the support that the lever works off. She's just some pretty special beers in that team right there. Brendan, so, so, sorry, you go. Yeah, so I was just going to say, look, all, all the way through the list, it just, you know, it just, the, the depth all the way down just gets stronger and stronger every year. And um, look, the competition's a lot of fun, but you read the list and you just see that... Uh, as an industry of craft brewers, big, small, or otherwise, we're getting better and better at what we do, and and I think the public actually do a pretty good job of placing their votes with where they honestly think they should go. I'm thinking back to the first time that I sat in the Swan Valley uh, home of Feral, and yeah. you know, back then, mate, that must have been eight or nine years ago that we, we had a chat um, before we dragged you out into the in, into the vineyards. Uh, around behind that to take some photos of you but um, back then you were talking about produ production quality consistency 
and the ability to distribute and store it well. Um, and that's something that's really stuck with me because that's something that now that we've seen craft beer push you know, maybe out of the margins and start to go mainstream, a lot of people are talking about. But their message is that you have pushed right from the very beginning. Yeah, we still talk, they're still the things that are, you know, top of list of pretty well everything when we get together as with the different different people within the business and how, how, how are they doing their various things. They're still the things we talk about and, and concentrate on. And if craft beer is going to continue to expand and continue to engage people that aren't currently part of it and we want to, we want to expand further and more broadly, then... They're really important. It's just the quality one is really the main one because all the other things are functions of quality. Brendan, one of the other um, results this year that we were talking about earlier was the fact that um, Karma Citra came in at number 10. You must be pretty stoked with that because obviously that's a fairly recent uh, launch into the permanent range. Yeah, into package it is. Yeah, um, another, another Gab's beer for us. So... Um, it was yeah, look, black and hoppy and you know, a bitter, aggressively bitter, even more so than hot dog. So to sneak into number ten, that was good. It's not one that we put a lot of focus on, but it's a beer we like, so we figure we'll make it and make it available all year round. And yeah, it's glad that people um, sort of get behind it and appreciate it. Is that is that popularity in the poll um, translating to to good sales? Because I remember Steve saying to me that he thought it was doing well. I'd probably do better than we than we expected. We didn't actually we 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 made it not really caring how much we sold. We just wanted to make it because it's part of kind of fulfilled our kind of range of beers that we would like to be presenting to people. Um, it's probably doing a, a little bit better than that, but there's other beers in our range that are further down the list and not on the list that do a lot better. Brendan, back back when I was uh, first in the, the, the Swan Valley Brewery, White was your big seller far and away and uh, we, we've seen maybe the hop revolution take place since then. Do you, do you think that the wheat beers and the you know, Belgian wheat beers are a little bit unloved in, in, in Australia because it's no longer your biggest seller? Yeah, look, it's, it's all about hoppy and um, whenever we whenever we do like a, a brew pub release into packaged beer, um, sales guys cringe if it doesn't have American hops in it. Um, it's, if it's got American hops, then they can put their feet on the desk and it's pretty well sold straight away. <laughs> if, if, if we're doing something that's ferment driven or even a deal like Hopfenfart, which is a, um, uh, an IPA with German hops in it, there's, there's a bit of work to be done. And, and sure, we've probably got the distribution to sell the amount that we've got, but then to get that pulled through um, on a one-off beer, it's just that much harder because you know, the consumers are looking for those tropical fruity, all those all those flavours we know about in, in American hops, and that's that's really what, what people are buying right now. Brendan, you spend a lot of the year uh, travelling the world, um, tasting beers and, and, you know, taking the pulse of the, the, the world brewing calendar. What do you drink? You know, when you're kicking off at home and you're not sampling and you're not drinking from your own range, what beers mm. really motivated and influenced you? Uh, so this last year, I think probably the, the, the experience that I enjoyed the most actually was at Camden and Alex Troncoso was 
was still there at the time. It was quite early in the year. Um, he was still there as head brewer. And believe it or not, going through their lagers, um, me back inspired um, to to relook at to relook at lager. And I don't know if that's necessarily going to be a trend that races across across craft beer, but that how well their lagers were at a really well made and how well, how good a really well made lager can taste. Um, put a bit of fire in my belly and um, put it so I've come back and we've challenged the guys and it might be a bit of a watch this space for later in the year. So, because I, I'm trying to think, have you guys ever released a lager? I, I can't I can't think of one offhand. Uh, we did one pre... Well, when we very first opened, it was pre my, pre my days of influence at Feral. I was there but uh, and I was, I was brewing, um, but brewing in a way where I kind of did what I, I was told at that time. Um, and, and our original range was Feral White and Organic Pilsner, I think a, an old beer and, and a pale ale. So, so yeah, we opened up with an Organic Pilsner. I think it was probably the first organic beer. It was certified organic beer made in Australia. Incidentally, there's only two lagers in the, uh, top, in, in the Hottest 100 so far this year. So um, what are your thoughts on that, Brendan? I mean, do you, do you, you sort of have confidence that the, the, uh, the craft lager category, if you want to call it that, w does have legs and will grow eventually? Um, yeah, I guess, I don't know if it's, going to, if it's going to have legs or not. You've seen lots of people try and fail making lager. Um, I mean, for all the success and the, uh, that Stone Inn would have, Pacific Ale, they opened for lager and that's just been dwarfed by the beast of Pacific Ale. So, um, and, you know, there's the stories of people launching on starting out with lager and failing. Uh, 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 there's, there's probably many and varied, but we probably won't make it for that reason. We'll make it because just we want it and do it in our way. It's probably going to be quite a regionalised type product as well, as in um, you won't see it outside of WA ever. And it's official. We've just seen the uh, number one. The Steiner Wood is indeed number one. Mate, I, I've heard it described that uh, Sly Fox um, was your answer to Steiner Wood Pacific Ale. Um, how's it going for you? Sly Fox is going well. I don't know if it was our, it was our answer to Pacific Ale, but certainly there were people who wanted something a little bit less strong alcohol-wise and that that we were kind of realised for sustainability we had to make something for. Um, so that's like our introductory, our gateway beer. Um, it's kind of still pretty aggressive for a gate, gateway beer. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know that we went out to, to do a Pacific Ale and certainly get different hops and, and those... And there was no Galaxy or anything in, in Slice Fox, but... Uh, it's bitterness is probably the same, and it's alcohol is close to the same. So if, if, if that's what people suspect, then that's okay. Oh no, no, no sorry, that, that, that wasn't a criticism. But you know, just that lighter, um, you know, low, you know, lower hopped beer. I've just had a question yeah. from Shane Jasprizza, or a comment from Shane Jasprizza in the uh, chat room. And Shane, once again, I hope I'm uh, uh, getting that pronunciation right. And he says it's much easier to make a hopped up pale than a delicate lager pilsner. Um, the Kiwis know how to make a good Pilsner. Any thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd agree. Um, and that's, that, and that, that was really what I took out of the Kansas about how good they had to be to make good lager. And 
going through the team at a time they'd want to be a sensory and seeing some of the issues that we come across in lager that would quite easily get hidden by a big heavy dry hop. Um, where that was quite a, a bit of the inspiration was to actually challenge the guys to pay a bit more attention to detail when we get to make this beer and, and not, not, not be able to hide anywhere. But as you know, I mean, like I, an unashamed huge fan of, of Feral and what you guys do, and um, you know, it, it, it's a really hard one to to stand here and talk to you and to be in any way impartial. But do, do you think that we are going to see uh, you know, breweries come up and challenge you next year, or you know, what, what, what's your game plan over the next twelve months? Um. Oh, come on, I don't know. Um, look, we don't have a KPI set around where we where we end up in the hottest 100. I can tell you that. Oh no, no, no. Um, just, just, just nor do we have nor do we have it on um, on things like beer awards or any of those type of things. We um, so look, where are we next year? Look, we we're growing really strongly. We got some interesting plans. It's just a couple of weeks too early to to, to talk to you about. Um, that, uh, that that should see us continue to do that certainly this year, next year, and, and our expectation is ongoing. Cool. Well, Brendan Varis, uh, we'll let you go. Uh, what, what are your? I, I should have asked. What are you up to on Australia Day this year? It's uh, only just after lunchtime in uh, in, in Perth. It is actually. So we, I was going to have a house full of teenagers. I'm expecting to have have uh, my daughter have a party. I was ready to. Light, expecting to be lighting the pizza oven, but she came down with calendula fever a couple of days ago, so that's freed up my afternoon. So I might head out to the brew pub now and have a couple of beers out there with people. Terrific. Well, Brennan, thank you very much for uh, joining us for a brief period on uh, uh, Australia Day, and uh, congratulations, number two, nothing to be sneezed at, and uh, thank you for all of the wonderful beers that you make for us throughout the year. Thanks, Kirko and James. We having a beer on Friday? I hope so. Let's have Good a day. chat. <laughs> All right, we'll see you, at, see you at headquarters then. See you, Brendan. Good on you, Brendan. Cheers, Thanks, bye. Bye Cheers guys. Bye. Well, there you go. That's uh, Brendan Burris. Lovely, lovely fellow. And you're heading to Perth. Perth. Um, yep. So you'll be able to have a bit of a beer and a bit of a yeah, follow-up uh, story. We'll have to um, confirm that date. I'm not sure if it'll be Friday, but at some point next week, at least, because I'm in town for a few days, which will be, um, which will be good fun. Now, we need to make a, a few calls. Steve Jeffers, if you can just hang around for a little bit, uh, we might try and get... Uh, the champion. Ross Juricic uh, on the line, um, who and who's one of the triumvirate at Stonewood. Uh, he was... Uh, I, I describe them as Brad's the brewer, Brad Rogers, Jamie Cook is the marketing guy, and Ross is the sales guy. Because they're the, the, the occupations they um, spent when they met in CUB. So I'll just grab Ross's number. You chat for a second, uh, James. So just repeating for those of us, for, for those people who've uh, only just joined us or haven't haven't been following the poll uh, closely, but Stone and Wood uh, Pacific Ale has returned to number one spot in the Gab's uh, Hottest 100 Aussie Craft Beers of 2015. Um, reclaiming number one spot from Feral Brewing Hop Hog IPA, which had the top spot for the previous three years. And I believe Stone and Wood Pacific Ale had 
had the same spot uh, two years prior to that. Um, and it's it's quite interesting actually looking back at the. Um, Sorry, I'll just cut in. Ross Jurisic, Matt Kirkegaard, welcome to Radio Brews News. You're on air live. Congratulations. G'day, Matty. How are you? Oh, I'm very, very well. How are you? Number one beer in Australia. Yeah, mate. What a great result. So, yeah, can't uh, can't be unhappy with that. Congratulations, um, Ross. Yeah, thanks, thanks, thanks. So, mate, yeah, it's so, so a great... Is James um, Atkinson, uh, I'm here with James Atkinson. Uh, we're broadcasting live from Green Beacon in Brisbane. But, uh, mate, you must... I, I never know when the voting opens whether Stone and Wood is going to get that... Uh, you know, we're a bit over it, it's a little bit too big, it's no longer craft, or whether having Dan Murphy's involved in the vote and knowing that you guys are getting out to a much wider, broader market is going to really work in your favour. But you're back on top after after a four-year absence. You must be you must be really pleased. Yeah, well, we, um, yeah, we've been the, the bridesmaids, you know, for a bridesmaid for a few years running now, and... Uh, yeah, you know, to your points about it being too big or too this, it's just a consistency thing we feel. You know, it's um, it's often the go-to beer for a lot of people, and um, you know we've spent a lot of time and a tremendous amount of money and resources working on maintaining a real consistent beer um, as we grow, and, and that's not always easy. You know, the bigger you get, the the more difficult it is to to maintain that type of consistency, but you know, mate, we've we really have uh, invested very heavily, um, ensuring that the quality um, stays our number one priority. And and I think you know people are you know voting with their feet, and they're they're not disappointed each time they go back for one. They're you know they know what they're going to get, and that uh, and that means a lot when you're parting with your dollars and. Yeah, it's uh, represented in the in, in the voting, I guess. But it, absolutely. Look, you know, it, it's one of those things. I, I have to say, you know, I'm, a, I'm an unabashed fan of uh, Stonewood Pacific Ale, and whenever I do corporate beer tasting, it is invariably the beer that I uh, start with because you can serve it to people who are hardened craft beer people, and they still they still like it. You can serve it to people that have never ventured beyond the lager. And they know that they're trying something different, but it is still refreshing and inviting. And most importantly, I, I find that women who tend to turn their nose up at beer, if you serve it to them maybe in a wine glass, they will take it and go, oh, wow, this doesn't taste like beer. And yet, malt water, hops and yeast is your, your, your catchphrase. You just seem to have really captured some magic in a bottle. And I, I, I describe Stone and Wood Pacific Ale as being probably the most influential beer of, of, of the modern incarnation of craft brewing. Yeah, I, I don't think we um, set out for that uh, to be the, the case when we were knocking around, you know, probably nearly eight years ago now, you know, trying to come up with what this beer was going to be. And a lot of people know the story, but we, we, we did start with with what the drinking occasion for Pacific Art was going to be. And uh, it was a beer that was made for our backyard in Byron Bay. And it just transcended you know, past our backyard and, and, and across the country. And um, to your point about, um, you know, that whatever it is in the bottle, um, it's a little bit of Byron Bay in the bottle wherever you are. And, um, uh, yeah, I just think it's just people just know what they're going to get 
um, and then they're disappointed. But what an amazing lineup of beers far out, you know, for Pacific Ale really to have landed that spot. As I said, you know, we've been bridesmaids plenty, plenty years in a row, and um, it, it, it was a list full of IPAs, and um, Pacific Ale was as far from an IPA as you can get, and um, it's just an, a, an amazing array of beers that have popped up in the uh, in that list this year. And um, you know, if you had had a look at this list five years ago and um, and said that there was going to be that many IPAs in it, you know, you would have been kidding yourself. But it's just amazing how much the Australian beer market has changed and continues to transform. Um, you know, there's just some great, great quality beers in there. And, and what a great result for Pirate Life, you know. First, first year out and they've uh, jagged to number three, so... Yeah, we're in we're in awesome company. Um, and I was going through the list earlier on today, and um, you know, there's just so many good beers in it. There's so many good people who are brewing great beers. And I look at the beers, and I know the people who are brewing it. And you think, oh, it's good on them, good on these guys, good on those guys, you know. And uh, and our industry just continues to grow. And I think it's a it's a these polls and competitions are a great endorsement for it. You must be looking at that list, Ross, and um, I believe there's 30 IPAs of various styles in that list and thinking we should launch an IPA. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, mate, um, you know, it's no secret that we've um, done what we've done with Tom Delmont and Fixation. And, um, um, that IPA was a bit of a Dorothy fit. Dixer for you there, really. <laughs> yeah, it was, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, IPAs don't really fit, you know, in the in the whole stone and wood um, portfolio, and um, and through our travels and just keeping an eye on on how things are evolving. Yeah, we knew there was a great opportunity just to have a specific um, IPA. That's that's all it does. That's what its world is. It's not going to be confused with anything else. Um, and and yeah, we think it's pretty perfectly placed um, to grow. We're happy happy to to take time and build a foundation for it over the next few years. Um, but yeah, if there was any endorsement for for our decision to move in that direction with fixation, bloody hell, this poll's been in. That's for sure. And uh, I, I caught up with uh, Tommy Delmont uh, when he launched it at the mill in Brisbane this week, and uh, you know, Tommy rounded on me and said that I'm not a, much of an IPA drinker um, because, <laughs> well, which is fair enough because I'm often critical of the beers that are very aggressively hopped to take them out yep. of balance. And uh, yep. if I was going to mentally conceive of a Stonerwood IPA, um, the fixation was just about it. It was deceptively uh, hopped, deceptively alcoholic, but but balance kept all of that in check. Um, yeah. I, yeah. It, 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 yeah. it, it was a Stone and Wood IPA as far as I was concerned. Yeah, well, mate, um, you know, Tommy and the guys have, you know, tweaked and um, come up with what they thought was the best style of PA for fixation. Um, and it's, a, a, you know, in, in our opinion, well, as I said before, um, it wasn't something that would fit into what Stone and Wood is all about. Stone and Wood is about uh, more approachable styles of beer, um, and and even with that, 
um, all beer, in our opinion, should be uh, well balanced and should have all the elements that you're looking for in a great beer. And that's what um, the guys have come up with in uh, in, in fixation. It's it, it's not going to blow your socks off from a business point of view or an alcohol point of view. Um, it all comes together really, really well um, for a really well balanced, well made beer. And uh, and yeah. I'm sure Tommy is known to a lot of your listeners, and um, he is Mr. IPA, and it's it's made perfect sense to have Tommy, you know, lead a charge on it, and um, and um, come up with the with the hops and the style, or style obviously, but the what the hops went into it, the the ratio of hops, how we wanted it to taste, and um, and yeah, the guys have absolutely nailed it. So good on them. Mate, have you had to rail uh, Tommy in at all? Have you had to sort of tell him, you know, maybe not so much hops? Well, mate, this is fixation. Is um, uh, it's a separate business to Stone and Wood. Um, Tommy is a shareholder in in fixation, as as we are. So, as in any partnership, um, everybody needs to be heard. Um, um, so. It's not a case of um, reeling anyone in or out or everybody um, has an opportunity to have their voice heard. Uh, but when it came came to the beer, we're all on the same page. Um, we want something that was just a, a, a dead set cracking example of what an IPA is. And, um, and we all knew how that needed to end up. So, um, so yeah, no drama there. Obviously... The whole branding piece was a was a hell of a lot of fun, you know, from from us and, and our perspective. That's what we love to do. Um, so there's learnings from everyone there when on that, particularly for Tommy. Um, but yeah, you know, that's what being in business with people is all about: learning from each other, um, um, using the strengths from everyone within the partnership. And you know, Stonewood's been an example of that as well. Mate, now, and- Feel free to tell me to get back in the box here. This is live radio, and uh, I, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but uh, are you able to give us an idea of volume production for Pacific Ale now that you've got the Byron Bay Brewery, the two breweries at Moolumba? Can you tell us what your um, volume is for, for the Pacific Ale these days? Uh, mate, it still makes up, um, it makes up a, lot of, uh, a lot of our volume, um, but a lot of that is... as. Mate, your listeners would would know very much that um, they may not have been able to get as much over Christmas um, because we haven't been able to make enough beer. Again, we thought we would have been better placed than we had a whole whole bunch Every of Christmas tanks. Is our next year will be fine. Yeah, I keep saying that year after year, and uh, and yeah, we had we had some fermenters arrive probably in time, but we just didn't get to commission them as quickly as what we wanted to, and we just ran out of brewing weeks between when we did commission them and, and, and Christmas. And it just left, left us a little bit short, but a hell of a lot um, better place than what we were last year, so we're not you know, complaining too much. Um, so as a result, we have to make as much specific ale as we can, and the other beers in the portfolio do suffer, unfortunately. But... Um, um, hopefully, over the next 12 months, we, we keep tweaking things and refining things. And uh, I mentioned earlier on that we've thrown um, a tremendous amount of resources at gear um, at Mullum Bar and Byron. And, um, and, and yeah, we should be really better placed this coming summer. But like I said, Matty, we say that every year, and yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see, see how that plays out this year. One of, the, one of the other good things that we've got 
to play with is a um, we've put a new pilot plant in. So, you know, seeing what was on that list, the hottest 100, you know, this year, there's so many uh, interesting and uh, different kinds of beers. Um, the pile of land that we've got in a bar and uh, is going to afford us the opportunity to be playing around a lot more, so keep an eye on that as well. And again, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but we've seen this week Coopers has announced their record production of almost 81 million litres. Yep. Are you able to put a figure on Stone and Wood's production in a year, or is that uh, something you don't release? Oh, it's probably a little bit commercially sensitive, Matty, but... Um, I oh, know, mate, rough numbers. They're probably 10 times bigger than what we are, you know. And you don't have to be a freaking mathematician to figure that or, or what, what those numbers are. Having said um, that, I mean, there's, there's an important milestone uh, there, I would have thought, in terms of CBIA membership, which is obviously once you reach that 5 million litres, you um, become considered a national brewery. Yeah, 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 yeah. So... Um, yeah, keep an eye, keep an eye on the uh, on the on, on our membership stats over the next little while. Whenever that's up, I'm sure we'll be at that stage. Okay. But um, yeah, it goes back to what I was saying earlier on about uh, um, yeah, as you grow, um, yeah, mate, we're still a dead set minnow in the whole scheme of the 1.7 billion liter Australian beer market. You know, even if we were at five, anywhere between five and ten million liters, you know. The big guys are still spilling that on the floor each week, you know. So um, it may appear big or seem big, but at the end of the day, we're still um, absolutely tiny in the whole scheme of things. But you know, um, arguably, we we are large in craft beer, Australian craft beer, independent beer, I should say, independent um, Australian independent craft. <laughs> um, but um, um, yeah, the, the category is continuing to grow, and we were lucky enough to to start when we did and we hitched our wagon to the category just like everybody else did. But mate, well, it's easy to say that, but you know, young, take cast your mind back, young Ross Jurisdich selling you know, beer as it was then, west of the uh, Great Dividing Range in Queensland, um, ended up working for Matilda Bay, uh, you know, at, at a time when Matilda Bay had a fantastic opportunity and you know, had Brad Rogers Brewing, Jamie Cook working the marketing, yourself uh, in, in, in the selling. Seeing that Brains Trust go off uh, and establish Stone and Wood, it really is an opportunity lost for a, a brewery that has lost its way in the craft beer market. That's a difficult question to answer, but you know. Uh, CUB has really struggled. Oh, CUB. Sorry, yeah, sorry, 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 CUB. Yeah, CUB has really struggled yeah. with Matilda Bay and with its various brands. Oh, yes. Get yes. any toehold in, in, in the market. And yet you three sure. guys have gone off and established something that is incredibly significant and influential in that same market. Yeah, well, mate, yeah, Stanwood has been the sole concentration for, for us. Um, you know, large businesses like CUB and Lyon and you know, Sahi or what have you, that you, know, you have competing interests, you have competing resources, uh, you constantly have regime change. Um, people coming in at the higher levels of the brewery um, may have an understanding of what craft beer is, they may not. Um, the business unit that is, is or was currently looking after the craft, it may be a decision by the COO or CFO or whoever it may be to go, 
what do we have this separate business unit here for when we can just roll it into this business unit or whatever the case may be. So um, I think it's, you know, we are concentrated on one thing. Um, it's about consistency and continuity um, and with not having to be dictated to by a regime change or regime that doesn't understand our, our space and, and our category. So, um, yeah, that's, you know, the big guys will do what they do and some will do it better than others. Um, but there's still plenty of opportunity in the Australian beer market for a good independent beer. And yeah, as you know, we've got, what is it, one uh, new Australian craft brewery opening up every week um, or in the pipeline for at least the next 12 months. So one thing is for sure, we're going to see plenty of new breweries popping up, plenty of new beers, plenty of choice for drinkers out there, and uh, Pirate Life is a, is a great example of that and, and the success in the Hottest 100 this year. So, so yeah, one thing's for sure, things aren't going to slow down. Well, having said that, Matt Beggs in the chat room says it's a huge pick for the consistency of the top two that they've yet to really lose favour in the poll. It's such an underrated asset as we get attracted to the next shiny thing. It does say a lot of uh, a lot about Feral and Stone and Wood that you guys have managed to sort of keep up there as we've seen all of the you know, new shiny things come along. Yeah, well, mate, that's um, and, and that's you know that's it's great that that is acknowledged because we just you know I know I've said it a, a number of times already, but we just really do spend so much time and effort. Well, we've got three people in our lab. Um, we have a draft beer specialist that we've just appointed. Uh, we have draft beer training. So we, the draft beer specialist, his, his role um, is to uh, visit draft beer venues from one end of the country to the other, um, train um, bar staff, cellar people, what have you, um, in a beer should be stored, how it should be poured, etc., etc. Um, I don't know of any other brewery in our competitive set that has someone like that out in the field. Um, all our guys on the road are also um, trained in, um, in in how craft beer should be presented, looked after, etc., etc. Um, so that comment that, that has come through from from one of you guys there is is really encouraging because it means that people are they are noticing what we what we do and, and, and the money that we spend and the resources that we um, are placing in the area of quality and consistency. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. Mate, last, very last question before we let you go and get about your Australia Day. What are you up to on Australia Day? Um, start off with the surf this morning. So um, with anyone who's on the East Coast knows that we've had a cracking run of cyclones as well. Um, and um, we've had awesome conditions up our way up here. Um, and um, I've just stepped out uh, from a mate's uh, barbecue. So um, oh, Sorry, I didn't realise uh, that we were keeping you from the barbecue. No, 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 mate. The um, cane toad race is just to start. Would you just about to start? Would you believe? So um, <laughs> no, beers are flowing. The rain stopped. The sun's out. And um, yeah, just doing what a lot of other people are doing this afternoon, having a few beers around a around a barbie somewhere. Well, mate, thank you very much for giving up a little bit of your Australia Day to join us on uh, Radio Brews News. Congratulations on having the number one craft beer, Aussie craft beer in uh, Gab's Hottest 100. And uh, look forward to having a beer with you in person very, very soon.
Mate, thanks, Matty. Thanks, James. Uh, thanks to um, guys from Log Stud House for putting on, on the competition. Most uh, games, the, it's the Gabs Festival. Uh, we, I don't the want to get in festival. any more trouble with Steve. It's no longer the Tap House. It's a great opportunity <laughs> to be special. <laughs> 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 Steve's reels in the big stick. So uh, thanks to the guys <laughs> for putting it on. Um, and thanks to everybody at Stone and Wood, if anyone uh, happens to be listening. Uh, thanks to everybody at Stone and Wood. It's a team effort, and uh, a lot of people... Um, put a lot of effort in to make it all happen and to be number one we'll definitely be celebrating over the next week that's for sure. Good on you Roscoe great to, uh, great to have you with us Thanks guys. Thanks, Thanks Ross Bye. Well there we go uh, Ross he's a really lovely guy Ross and uh, we got him on because he's a sales guy but uh, it's one of those things I, I, I don't know that you know, they are a powerhouse in Australian brewing, and uh, no discussions of craft beer or anything like that. I think that they are the most influential beer on the on the market at the moment, and they are just powerhouses. He said three guys in their lab, unheard of for a brewery of their size. Yeah, and I think that's something that we're going to see a lot more of is um, you know the breweries that that are, are really serious about about um, growing their volume and um, achieving the sorts of success that Stone and Wood has. Quality is going to have to be, you know, their, their number one priority. But also, um, you know, also branding is going to have to be a, a big part of that. And, and I think, as we sort of talked about, um, Stone and Wood's a, a brewery that you've got three guys, uh, the three sort of main shareholders who just have that... Uh, perfect mix of skills you know the, you, you've got Brad as the brewer and um, Jamie as the marketer and Ross as, as the sales guy and it's it's yeah it, it's important all of those skills play a really important role in you know making good beer getting it out to people marketing it well and at the end of the day achieving success in you know in a poll like um, the Gab's Hottest 100 Aussie Craft Beers of 2015. And speaking of which, we might get Steve Jeffers on the phone. And Steve is still in the uh, chat room. So, Steve, man your phone. I'm uh, dialing in now. And uh, we might just have a bit of a chat and see how he feels about the uh, everything that's gone on today. So, uh, let me see. We'll leave. Steve knows that we're coming, so we'll leave him ring. Hi, guys. Steve Jeffers, mate, big day for you. Uh, social media has been going off the charts by the look of things. Yes, it has. It's been a meltdown. It's been, um, it's always fun, you know. It can't please everyone all of the time, but it's uh, overwhelmingly people seem to really enjoy it, and that's the idea. People kind of are out there looking to see if their beers rate and, you know, what came in, and certainly um, in the top ten there was... Uh, Bit of a meltdown when James Fly got her at Guernsey, but um, I think all was right in being the beer nerd world when uh, when Pyrolyte got a double. Um, so it was a very exciting day, and it's, it's going uh, nuts still, which is fun. It, tr- it trended as well, which is uh, always fun. It has trended today, has it? We've been so busy doing what we do that we haven't really seen much outside of that. H100 uh, hashtag is uh, H100 beers has trended. Yes, that's right. It's been trending for the last couple of hours or so. Naturally, as uh, more people pay attention to the pointy end of the pole, but it's um, it's been fun, you know. I, I, I hope you guys, I've been listening to you the whole time, and um, it's been great to 
to hear uh, the people that you've been speaking to. But listen, at the end of the day, even the brewers uh, understand that it's all meant to be a bit of fun. I know you guys share that view. It's, it's one barometer of, of uh, what people are looking to drink and what they're enjoying around the country. And um, listen, there's no perfect way to poll people. And uh, as the poll gets bigger, it obviously is going to ebb and flow in what's popular or not. But if you have fun, you've got a beer in your hand and it's Australian today, then um, everyone's winner. Mate, it's a snapshot, and James and I, as you've heard, we've uh, sort of been responding to some of the comments in the chat room, and it's look, it's just so great to see people engaged in the chat room and talking about it and discussing amongst themselves. But you understand the mind, the the, the, the points some of them are making. But you know, from my point of view, it's really exciting. You need to have uh, good beers in all its forms included for the pirate life. Smaller breweries to have any meaning because if, it, if, if it's just a latest or it's just the smallest or it's just the geekiest beers um, without any context in the broader you know beer, beer uh, market, it's a little bit irrelevant. Uh, irrelevant. But to have pirate life and stone and wood and feral um, in amongst the James Squires, the little creatures, and the, the, the fat yaks, that's what shows that this beer movement actually means something in the Australian beer market? Yeah, listen, I think um, I, agree with, I agree with all of that. I think um, one of the interesting statistics I've taken out of the poll is that I think there are 26 uh, beers that were first released in 2015 that are, that are in the top 100, which I think is a staggering and impressive amount, which shows that it's, uh, it's, there's certainly fresh beers as people who are liking the new beers that are coming onto the market enough to, to vote them in their top five. So I think that's really interesting. Pirate Life's uh, achievements are astonishing. And, and uh, like uh, James uh, Atkinson was saying earlier, I, I very much share his view that uh, while they produce great beers which have resonated, I think a big part of their success has been their story and how they've told their story and communicated it through, you know, brand activations and marketing. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really pleased and, and uh, the guys should be really proud because they're up there because they deserve to be. But, you know, they've worked very hard to, to get their message out. The, the one thing that's really come through is the number of beers that were launched at Gabs in 2015 that have made the hottest 100. I mean, I, I, I did ask you at the start about why the switch from local tap house, which is locally based to the Gabs uh, you know, umbrella for the Hottest 100, but when you see the influence that the beers that are launched at Gabs and the growing footprint of Gabs, Gabs is becoming a, a, a very important thing on its own in the Australian beer market. Yeah, listen, I think that's one of the great things about um, that we're really pleased about over the years that Gabs has been held is that people, uh, are, uh, brewers are increasingly, um, I guess, seizing the opportunity that Gabs can present to a certain number of people, a large number of people that attended, of which the vast majority are, are, are yet to be seriously converted, if you like. Um, and there is, there's been some really great success stories that uh, we often tell when we're talking about the event. I think there's only, from memory, uh, I think there are six Gabs beers that have appeared in this uh, year's results. Um, two from this year, uh, two from... Uh, one from 2014, one from 2013, and one from 2012, I think it is. But um, certainly the two from this year were the uh, Big Shed Golden Stout and the Brew Cult Milk and Two Sugars, which did uh, 16 and 14 respectively. Tarko is always a favourite, and that's a, a story I uh, love to 
to tell. Um, Karma Citrus back in 2011 and uh, Praline uh, still in there at 42, which is even more astonishing given the hot, heavy focus uh, of almost all the beers in the uh, the hottest 100. So Praline to rank 42nd is testament to the quality of the beer. Um, and I think uh, Gab has played a, a small part in, in building the, helping those guys uh, build on the great beer and its profile. Well, Steve, mate, we might just uh, finish up there and head back to uh, Prof before we cruise on out and uh, sign off for our coverage. But thank you very much for letting Australian Brews News be part of the Gab's Hottest 100 Aussie Craft Beers of 2015. And congratulations on all you guys do to, you know, you guys have grown uh, since you first launched from the greatest uh, you know, beer bar in the land. You guys have really influenced the Australian craft beer market, and uh, you know, thank you for being, letting us be a little part of uh, helping you sort of get the word out about that. And congratulations on making Australia Day Australian Craft Beer Day. Um, thanks very much, Matt. Listen, we uh, we can't do this without the support of a lot of people. We um, we genuinely love craft beer. We love Aussie craft beer, and I think uh, everything we do supports that. But we can't do it without the tap houses, without you guys, crafty fine. Uh, Dan Murphy's and all the official venues around the country. I think there's about 28 of them having a party right now celebrating the results. And, um, you know, we're, it's, it's a bit of an army and we're on a great roll, but it's bloody good fun and, and uh, we're very much enjoying being part, of, um, being part of the community. So thanks for being part of it again. The podcast has been fantastic. And, um, and a final kind of uh, hurrah to uh, Hop Hog and, and uh, Stone and Wood because after so many years of the Hottest 100, for them to still top at one, two, two, one, whichever way you look at it, is uh, is credit to, to the beer and to the people behind the beer. So um, until next year, thanks very much. Steve, talk to you very soon. Thank you very much once again. Bye. See you, Steve. Right, well, uh, just to really finish our uh, coverage, we do need to get Pete Mitchum on. Um, although James Atkins... <laughs> I think that you might have uh, done him out of a job, but we'll... Uh... <laughs> you, uh... Mate, tell, tell us a little bit. Is it Pacific Ale and Hop Hog and then Daylight, or do you think we might see a Pirate Life or somebody knock those two guys off next year? I get the feeling that there is a pretty big margin between those two top places and the other beers. Um, that's the sense that I have but I, I sort of think that over time you know you, like the, really the experience of, of seeing what's happened with Pirate Life this year um, is just a bit of a wake-up call for the people who might have thought that it was getting predictable with those two beers in the top two is that things can change very very quickly and I mean it's really quite remarkable for but for Pirate Life to get those three beers in the top 11. There's a lot that goes into that, a lot of things that have to align. And for them to be able to get those three beers in that top 11, I really think that anything is possible over a, you know, a slightly longer period of time. There will be, fashions will change, there will be new beers that will, that will come up and will challenge Stone and Wood and Feral. And uh, look, yeah, very dynamic beer industry. Pete Mitchum to join us for this last discussion.
Pete, welcome back. Uh, mate, big day for you uh, down at the local tap house. Uh, sorry, just say again, Matt. Big day for you down at the local tap house. Yes, very, we, we've just wound up. It was uh, very exciting. We uh, gave away a lot of Australiana-based cheap made-in-China, um, very high-quality and high, highly-valued um, Australiana um, you know, memorabilia. And uh, everyone had a, a lovely time and generated quite a bit of interest. I think last year I remember telling you that there was maybe 10 or 15% of the, um, of the punters here had even heard of the, the Hottest 100 countdown. Uh, this year it was possibly less or fewer um, than, than the number last year. Yeah, uh, and yet everyone by the end of it was uh, showing a genuine interest and, and really getting into it. And then we had probably half a dozen uh, local brewers uh, who would uh, stake the, a, a table for the day and, uh, and we're getting right into it. Well, mate, look, I've got some great news and I've got some bad news. The, 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 okay. great, the, the great news is beer is the winner today. <laughs> the, the, the bad news is uh, you've been replaced. Uh, James Atkinson is now my uh, good friend and uh, regular co-host of Australian Brews News. No, but, no but that's great. I'm off the hook. I was <laughs> trying to find a, think of a way to, to let you down slowly and is that, gently. Is, but, that, uh, is that because I'm more interested than Pete? Or oh, look, we, we, we James, to get I, could, I couldn't be less interested in how interested you are in my job. <laughs> we, we managed to get through today without a fight. But uh, we've been enjoying some fantastic beers here at uh, Green Beacon, and you and I have enjoyed a, a beer here, uh, Prop. Mate, we, look, we have indeed. Looking at the Hottest 100 in total, um, any omissions from your point of view? Uh, probably not so much emissions. I think what's, what's become really clear to me is that if you have uh, fewer brands or stronger brands in your portfolio and you have national distribution, uh, particularly with the inclusion of, of, of Dan Murphy's as a, as a partner, I think you are going to, I, I guess, see better results, if that's, if that's a fair way to say it. Um, I, having said that, I think anyone who, who's got a beard that is good enough to have, have got votes out of some you know, 12,000 or whatever votes cast, um, you should be very proud of the beers that you've made. Um, and I think some of the, if you can call them surprising uh, entries, particularly uh, one in the, in the top uh, 10 and one sort of down about in the, in the 80s, if that indicates that there are people drinking those beers this year, voting for the first time, who this time last year were drinking Pure Bond or Carlton Draft or 4X Gold, might next year uh, have discovered Four Pines Pale Ale or Hop Hop or, or, God help them, um, Pirate Life Double IPA. And I think that, in, in that respect, yes, beer is the winner. But do you think that the discussion about craft beer, that there's been a lot of discussion in the chat room, we've had really good following uh, in, in the chat room, a lot of discussion. Corey Crooks was very upset saying that it was the... Uh, uh, Lion staff poll today because I think they had James 13 or was it 14? 13 beers? or 14 yeah. beers in, in, in total. Uh, do, do you think that the inclusion of Dan Murphy's or the, the, the broadening of the poll has diminished it or do you think the inclusion of the nationally available big brewery beers just really acts as a setting in which the small independent breweries really shine? Look, for me, Matt and James, I think it actually shines a light on the beers that aren't those beers that we're talking about. I think it, it may, yeah, okay, there, there might be one or two, five or six beers 
that have perhaps been squeezed just out of the top 100 um, as a result of, let, let's say, um, uh, corporate intervention or a, a clever clever marketing campaign with people who have larger larger uh, populated offices than some of the small brewers. Do you, do you think there's have, some of that available? Because I know that Steve... 100%. I, 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 Guaranteed. You do? Okay, because uh, I know that the guys at the Tap House... I, and, and I just want to get this on the record because the guys at Tap House really do monitor IP addresses and log in and all of that sort of thing. You can never come. And that's what I mean, Matt. If you've, if you've got 100 employees, with each with an individual um, IP address, then unless you want to go through every single vote cast and work out how many are coming from the same yep. uh, office or the, or the same PC, uh, let's just say, look, you know, I, I think it's, we can look at... The, the beers that are around those beers and say, how good is it that these guys have got through on their beer alone? And, and having said that, there will be some beers in there that I think it, it's perhaps the Dan Murphy's factor and that uh, those beers are, are well and truly worthy of um, of their spot in the in the top 100. But I think, I mean, uh, just just um, coming in here, Prof, um, I, think yeah. that, I think that having spoken to Michael Cameron earlier on, I mean, Pirate Life is not currently in Dan Murphy's or, or any of the chains. No. Um, and really, for them to come in and, and get third and fourth, um, I guess it, it makes a bit of a nonsense of, of people's suggestion that that Dan Murphy's involvement has swayed the polls to, to um, any massive degree. Uh, no, I totally agree. And I think we're talking about two separate issues. I think the Dan Murphy factor, and as Steve Jeffers said earlier in the program, um, Dan Murphy's came in after many of the, you know, a great majority of the votes had already been cast. So I think what they bring to the table is they bring a, a more mainstream crowd. And as I say, maybe they were the guys who were drinking Stella Artois or drinking Heineken or, you know, whatever it might be, and are now, as a result of, of, of Dan's um, putting a bit more emphasis on craft beer or good, you know, different beer, independent beer, um, are perhaps that's reflected in the in the results that those people are now you know being exposed to beers like that i think there's there is still uh the possibility that that um some breweries are are using good um clever marketing techniques to get their um their people their uh, fans of their beer uh activated to to vote and at the end of the day if you can make a suggestion to them and, and make it easy for them to do it they'll you know They'll do it, and that'll show on your results. Well, Prof, I mean, the, the, the big thing for me, beyond Honest 100 polls or anything, the work that you and I do each year at the uh, exhibition. Yesterday, uh, as you know, I've probably done, I've done a couple of trips out to Roma to do beer tastings out there. The Roma Show Society uh, called me yesterday to say they wanted me to come out. And quite independently of that, I said, oh, yeah, I work with the Brisbane Show Society. They just said, oh, you do that. That was excellent. You, you know, we tried craft beer for the first time at the Brisbane Exhibition. You never know yeah. where craft beer is going to come from and where people are going to get exposed to it. 100%. Yep. Definitely. So, yeah, and, and, and it, it, it's an incremental game, and we are seeing it get out there. And whether it comes through Dan Murphy, whether it comes through a voting form that... You know, someone like uh, James Squire or Fat Yak or Lazy Yak puts out there. It is changing people's view about beer, um, and look, it's just very, very exciting time. And the, the, the years that you and I have been talking about craft beer, you know, 
you know, in the early days of blogging and seeing the way that it's changed and you look at how big it's becoming now and it's about the only time that you and I in fashion have, have, have ever existed at the same time and place. Is that a fair call? And to be fair, our fashions haven't changed much since we started blogging, Matt. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, Prof, mate, thank you very much. for. I know you've had a really busy day. Thank you for joining us uh, for the Gab Hottest 100 Aussie Craft Beers of 2015 uh, countdown. Glad you've had a great day. And, uh, mate, I look forward to... Now, uh, is your festival commitments over or are we able to get back on schedule next week? Uh, yeah, no, we've, we've got um, Geelong Beer Festival coming up soon, the Great Australian, uh, Great Australian Beer Festival, and then uh, Bendigo the month after that. But uh, the kids are back at school next week, so we're back to, back to uh, regular programming. Yeah, come on, guys. This, this is getting a bit personal, guys. This, this could be done off air, <laughs> I reckon. <laughs> Might, might, might think, let, let's think calendars and we'll, we'll see, you know, get uh, James to speak to your people and uh, get his people to speak to my people and we'll do lunch. I might speak to you IRL then. <laughs> uh, K, lol. <laughs> Good on you, Prof. Enjoy the rest of your afternoon. Take care. Cheers, guys. See you, Pete. There we go. That's Pete Mitchum and uh, James Atkinson, editor of Australian Brews News. Mate, that just about takes us out of here. Just any last questions? Um, Matt Beggs, who's been chatting away for a while, and we appreciate all of the people in our chat room and all of the listeners. We've had a really big uh, listenership. Matt Beggs uh, says, beers that have a wider distribution are always going to be an advantage because more of the public know them. Exactly right. The list is continually evolving thing, and if one person from uh, today decides to go out and buy Pirate Life Double IPA because of where it's on the list, that can't be a bad thing, surely. Mate, I, I actually think that comment, uh, Luke Phillips is... Uh, no, Luke, we're, sorry, we're going to ignore you. We're going to go out on Matt Beggs because I think uh, Matt says... That, that's, that's pretty much exactly what the poll is about. Can you, can you leave any better sentiment to finish on? Absolutely. I mean, if, if, if it was a list of 100 beers you had never heard of before, then, you know, it's not going to be relevant to you. You know, like if the beers that you drank were not in the poll, then it would not be relevant to you and you would not get exposure to a lot of these independent craft beers that that are in there, like Pirate Life. So I just sort of think that I can see both sides, but I really just think that, like, overall, there is the benefit of having the, the, the big uh, corporate brands with distribution and, and marketing clout involved. Absolutely. And look... I came here, look, we were very last minute getting uh, set up here uh, because I had to do a uh, radio interview at 4BC, which is 2AW or 2... What was, uh, well, we all have to sometimes deal with these substandard media organisations, yes, Matt. The, the, the old world, but it, it's 2AW <laughs> and 3AW. Uh, uh, 2UE and CUE. Yeah, you're uh, part of the Fairfax Radio Network. But, but I raced here and uh, the, the host that I was with, um, Kim Mothershaw, lovely fellow, uh, during the week he was out, his son was playing in a band at Elephant and Wheelbarrow in the Valley in Brisbane, which is one of the big old party pubs. The last couple of years I've started to get craft beer on, and this is a you know, great example. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's a big party pub that started to put craft beer on, and uh, Kim said that he turned up and the only beer that he recognised on tap, uh, Kim, oh, sorry Kim if you're listening, I doubt you are, but um, he's probably in his early 50s. Um, and he said the only beer that he recognised was 4X Gold. 
But then he, he, he recited two or three craft beers, like uh, Stone with Pacific Alt, number uh, one on the Hottest 100, and uh, Four Pines Colch, number two on the... And he mentioned those beers by name, so he'd seen them on the tap, but he didn't recognise them, but he knew what they were. And the beers are getting out there. Um, and so, you know, people that have no background in beer are starting to see them, and they are starting to experience And if, if, if they get to listen to this podcast, or they get to see the Hottest 100, or even if they Google best craft beers in Australia, the Hottest 100 starts to come in, maybe they'll go out to their local Dan Murphy's, or their local independent bottle shop, which, sorry Uncle Dan, but that's where I choose to uh, buy my beer and they might seek it out and try it. Or they might come down to their local brew pub, such as where we are, which is uh, Green Beacon Brewery in uh, Helen Street, Newstead in Brisbane, and uh, try the, the great beer. Actually, James, what have you thought? Now, I'm not going to say which one, but one of the beers you thought might have had a bit of diacetyl. No, 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 I'm not. This is the right conversation. I, I, I don't feel comfortable with saying that. <laughs> I, I didn't get that. Um, yeah, and really? we, we're drinking that. We, we, we started with their Wayfarer wheat. Yeah. Really nice American style wheat. Doesn't have that big um, estuary uh, character of a lot of wheat beers. Oh, just give us two minutes. We're about Sorry. to wind up. So, so, yeah, we're, we're about to wind up. They're, they're, they're about to empty a whole lot of glass bottles in. They, they heard us talking about their beers. Um, wait for a wheat. Really nice American style wheat. The Colch, I think it's a cracker. The Pale Ale, as you said, mango. The IPA, I thought it was like just that bold, uh, robust, resiny character. I didn't get into it and this saves on. What a cracker. I thought the beers were really strong across the board. There was one that I thought had some diacetyl in it. And something that I've learned about my palate recently is that that's something that I am very sensitive to. I don't think that there are... Yeah, I think that I'm not as... I don't pick up on a lot of the other potential faults as well as... No. And that is... And, and, and it's, it's something that I've just quite recently realised that I do pick it up more than other things. And, and I'm... Yeah, I, I think it was there, but look, it, it's it's as I said across the board. I was really pleased with the beers, so yeah. And, 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 and it's great that you say because it is very personal, and some people are very sensitive to some things. So I do mean to call you out on that, and certainly, as I said, Green Beacon for me personally is the pick of the craft breweries in Brisbane in the ever burgeoning uh, craft uh, breweries. But you know, really lucky to have been here. Fantastic beers, and this stays on is an absolute cracker but listeners we're coming up to three hours can you believe that this is your first podcast can you believe it's three hours <laughs> and i've enjoyed the last two hours more than the first hour funnily enough <laughs> and uh but we've had an amazing chat room so to everyone in the chat room thank you very much uh luke phillips job justice i think it's great exposure for any small brewery to get a beer in the top 100 and some on the list uh, I want to go out and buy because I haven't tried before. Exactly, Luke, that's a, a great sentiment. So we'll finish on that sentiment. But to everyone in the chat room, everyone that's listened, and everyone that's voted and taken the time to get out and vote for the Hottest 100, thank you very much. To Steve Jeffers, uh, Guy Greenstone, and everybody at the Great Australian Beer Spectacular, or GABS, for putting this on and supporting it and making it possible to Crafty Pint, who is our media partner, and well, <laughs> a bit of fun, they haven't really been taken up by Line Nathan or any investment. <laughs>
Um, Good friends of Australian Brews News. They are, and, and James Smith. <laughs> I, I still think if Craft Beer had Australia Day honours, he would be the first bloke to get it. So, uh, yeah, no, no, no doubt at all. But listeners, thank you very much for joining us. And uh, look, I don't think there's anything else to say apart from enjoy Australia Day, whatever flavour of Australia Day you enjoy. And just get out and enjoy Australian craft beer, whatever that means. And, it, and if you have sort of come to Australian Brews News to listen to the live podcast for the first time, or um, you know, you're not a regular visitor, please do look for our newsletter and sign up for the newsletter in the, in the navigation. And um, yeah, there's, there's plenty more where this has come from. There is plenty more where this has come from. And some great articles today. So without any further ado, we will uh, just strike up the band and uh, talk to you again next week.